Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You better not have no plans tonight. Movie time and it's feeling right. You're looking for a love that lasts. You'll find it at Romance in the Podcast. I know. Ooh, ooh, baby, you're the wind beneath my wings. Ooh, ah, I'll have what she's having. Thank you for tuning in to Romancing the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, Paige made us watch... The, the Bodyguard! Bodyguard. Yeah, the Bodyguard. So was this the first time we all saw this movie? Yes, I had never seen this movie. I had definitely heard the soundtrack. I watched it when my parents rented it before my parents divorced back when I was a child, like a small child. Was it hard for you to revisit it with the thoughts of, you know, your family happily together still in your in your head? Mm, They weren't super always happy. (laughs) All right. So, uh, no, it was fine. Actually, watching movies together was one of the our good family memories. I'm going to say a Mikey line right here. I don't need the story. It's fine. I'm not your therapist. Mm. I give it a three out of 10 on execution, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I didn't remember any of it. Same. And I was kind of dreading watching it. Cause I was like, I don't know. It kind of looks lame, but I kind of like, I kind of dug it. Cause I was like, Oh, this dude's just like super unhinged. And I yeah. am here for it. Oh yeah. This is the first time I saw it too. And I sort of feel the same way. Like it feels very nineties. And some of the stuff that feels very nineties to me, I don't love, but Sort of dug this movie. Didn't hate it for sure. Yeah. Uh, I as I was watching it, I was like, it, it's a little long, but mostly no notes. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what I was gonna say. Like, I could cut <laughs> probably twenty minutes out of this movie easy. Yeah, easy. Uh, and that would be to cut the sister hired someone she doesn't know whose subplot. Yeah, you don't need any of that really. But she's the one who hires the hitman, though, right? Yeah, she is the one who hires the hitman at the end. Yeah, but also don't need that. It can just be some crazy stalker person, you know? No, I liked it. I, th- I thought it was even more devious. Because he was the red herring. I did suspect her from the beginning, though. Yeah, because they telegraph the shit out they of it. They telegraph it really hard. <laughs> but then I like, they. we didn't do anything with that story for, for so long that I like talked myself out of it. I was like, 
No, sisters would always protect each other. That's why Solange attacked Jay-Z in that elevator. But then like, no, sisters, it, it was still her. Sisters. sisters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were never such devoted sisters. But then, nope, turns out I was wrong. No, I mean, yeah, we all were, Paige. We all were. Yeah, but on, honestly, I kind of dug this movie. This yeah. is the kind of, of romance movie that I'm kind of into where there's like crime and intrigue and explosions, but also they're boning. I'm like, but they don't get together at the end, right? He just makes out with her when they when they drive off yeah mikey i hate the end you could have ended it at the airport and it's a perfect ending yeah maybe. and that extra scene I, first of all that ending still shot is bonkers i That's know one of right? the craziest pictures i've ever seen and they end on it but i think it's this like he's bodyguards be bodyguarding is like the end of this movie and i'm like i didn't need that i could have handled them being together and him being like her in-house bodyguard you know uh, I think you mean in body bodyguard, but yeah, like in bed bodyguard. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta guard that booty. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I didn't like the way it ended. I honestly thought it would have been great if he died at the Oscars and then she sings that song at the funeral credits. Yes. Also, they have to have slept together when they did. But then stayed together up until the point where, where he dies, in my mind. I was okay with them, like, not staying together. There's no way they would have because of the whole samurai, like, metaphor they baked into this yes. movie for no reason. I but mean, yeah. this is definitely the first guy who's gotten laid with a samurai sword in his bedroom. <laughs> Mikey, I'm here to tell you that's incorrect. I know that Jake has one and I'm prepared for this. Mikey, not even that. Every man I have ever had any sort of relations with owned a samurai sword and it was in the room. Mikey Page has a type and that type is samurai? White guy who owns samurai swords? They did good in math, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Neither of them did. You see, it's so strong because they fold the steel, Page, and you're like, I <laughs> just want to get boned, okay? Why are we talking about the sword? <laughs> he cut her underwear with it, and it applies. I don't think it was her underwear, it was her scarf. No, 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 no. No, no, at Todd, the at the end. There's a oh, cutaway with yeah, her yeah, lace yeah, 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 underwear yeah. on the sword. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ugh. I was fine with them not being together because I do think some of his reasoning of like, I cannot make choices to protect you if I care about you that much. That's how I do when I date somebody. Mm. Oh, Mikey. No. <laughs> <laughs> And I <laughs> will ghost the shit out of you. Cut to me at a fancy dinner just in the background staring. And I'm like, yeah, I did ghost her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mikey hangs out at the Rotary Club and talks about how he ghosted women. Mm -hmm. I mean, that song, it, it is the song for this movie, but it is also a breakup song. Yeah, I mean, it, it was is. written as a breakup song. So like, is it? you know, yeah. yes. They even joke about that when they're dancing Yeah, because she's like laughing and he's like, what? And she's like, listen to the lyrics. This is not a happy song and it's not Dolly Parton wrote it about breaking up with her longtime like collaborator and manager like it's not even a romantic breakup song and my grandfather never recovered Dolly <laughs> your grandfather's Porter Wagner oh I didn't know that they were together no they weren't it, it, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. Just... I do know the Porter Wagner story yeah yeah it's a creative breakup that's not right. a romantic breakup yeah so that's what the song is from but do you know who else is featured on this soundtrack that Todd you might be interested to hear about is it Ashanti no it is not <laughs> but it is for the amount of a TV show that you have watched you should know this well I mean what are we talking about right now who's on the soundtrack mm-hmm I don't know. Michelle Visage is on the Bodyguard soundtrack. Oh, they talk about it every time. Yeah, like constantly on Drag Race. No, I, I don't pay attention to that. I'm too fabulous by the queens. 
Well, every queen makes fun of her for that being her claim to fame. That's a pretty damn good claim to fame, though, right? I mean, kind of, yeah. I don't know, a drag queen with a, a spin on the bodyguard soundtrack? No, but honestly, let's get some Trixie Mattel up in this Get bitch. Trixie Mattel on that <laughs> shit. Get Trixie to come sing Believe by Cher in her broken down acoustic version and Hell take yeah. my money. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes. But no, I had never seen this before. I had never seen it. I had always heard about it. And I was curious and I fucking love Whitney Houston and hearing her sing just makes me excited all the time. She is so good, man. And in this Ugh. movie, she's good. Like, I think she does a better job acting than Kevin Costner does in this movie. This is her first movie, too. I'll burn a fun fact. This is her first movie. I did not she realize that. She does a great that. job. Yeah, she does. She really does. I don't really think Kevin Costner's like the best actor. He's in a lot of great movies that I like, but I just, I don't know. Like, he's not like... I like him in this. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He's not the best. I mean, he's way better than me, but he's not like... Like a DiCaprio kind of like actor level. He's fine. He's doing a Ryan Gosling level of serious <laughs> tough guy in this movie. If you did this today, it would be Ryan Gosling. It probably would be. Although he would be more charming. I think Kevin Costner plays it way more serious. Did you see the gray man? Because literally Ryan Gosling in the gray man is this character. I saw the gray man, but my brain immediately deleted it once it was done <laughs> watching it. I also saw the gray man and I don't know what we're talking about with that. Yeah, I also <laughs> I forgot Ryan Gosling was in it because Chris Evans stole the show as the villain. Oh, That's true, all I remember true. from that movie. Chris Evans as a villain should always be a villain. It's so good. Yeah, but Ryan Gosling's character is all like you could control all delete and just replace with Kevin Costner in this movie. <laughs> it's the same character. If you can deep fake out there, deep fake Kevin Costner deep into the gray fake. man. And then tell the government it cost you $200 million to do it Oof. so you can not pay as much in business taxes. I'm calling you out, Netflix, allegedly. And then turn around and not pay your writers. What? Eat a dick. Fuck them. Eat a dick, yeah. Netflix. <laughs> Support the WGA. I'll tell you what. When I destroyed my girlfriend's scarf, not my current girlfriend, mind you, uh, it didn't go as well as it did for <laughs> Kevin Costner. I know. I was like, hey, that's a nice scarf. <laughs> Yeah, and probably it was probably expensive if it could get cut in half by a cheap samurai sword. It's, that's it's not, not cheap. a cheap. That's not was, a cheap samurai sword. Yeah, sure. She's an expert. Sure, she's seen dozens of them. It actually that is a very nice katana. Also, she's very flashy with her money. Oh, Whitney she's Houston, yes. rich as shit, man. Like she's on top of the world. Well, I did like she goes shopping at one point. But she's shopping in a vintage store. And I actually did kind of dig that because like when you see famous people in cool shit that you don't see anywhere else, it's because their stylist or whoever went diving through vintage stores to get them stuff. So when Whitney Houston does that, I was like, famous people do be doing that, though. Yeah. Secretly getting the old vintage stuff and making it look cool. And then you try to go find it and it doesn't exist. That's how they look like otherworldly, if you will. But. <laughs> Or like they walked out of the 70s or whatever because yeah. some of those clothes probably haven't worn since the 70s or whatever. Whatever their vibe is, right? And probably smell like it too. But really, <laughs> Kevin Costner's unhinged, punch his way out of every situation effect of bodyguarding is what makes the film for me. When yes. he pulled out the gun at the Oscars, I was like, oh, I bet you can't bring a gun to the Oscars anymore. <laughs> you absolutely cannot. <laughs> you cannot. When he almost <laughs> murdered the other bodyguard for almost no reason. Oh, you mean in the kitchen? They're like kitchen fight scene or whatever? No. Yes. He also almost murders a random cook and his wife is like, no, I love him. Oh, and yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm a monster. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, 
Yeah. This guy's great. This guy gets it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Well, do you guys want to go through it so we can talk about it scene by scene? Yes. Let's do it. We open on silent credits until gunshots rang out. Okay. I have to admit something. I kept turning up my- Same page. <laughs> I turned it up and I was like, what is wrong? And my TV goes to 100 and I turned it up to 85. And then the yes. loudest shot ever heard by man, a gunshot goes off. And everyone in my house, all nine of us sort of yelled. I did the same thing. Yes. I'm talking about the kitties and the puppies too. Yes. Too many people. Technically, it's two people and seven animals- too many animals. Well, anyway, it is a lot. <laughs> we we open from that terrifying sound gunshot. Yeah. in a parking garage where Kevin Costner has just shot someone. There's a body on the ground behind him, and he's telling somebody else to stay down. We don't know who this is. It doesn't really matter. It is kind of great. Like, yeah, when it cuts to that, you're like, "Fuck!" Kevin Costner's character is a badass. <laughs> yes. All all this is is to be like. He's a stone cold secret agent, yeah. you guys. <laughs> he kills <laughs> like, people. He is a secret service agent, a former, I guess. He's no longer one, but yeah. Yes. The best part is later when he's like, people shouldn't be washing cars in this garage. And that's how he knew that he needed to shoot them. And I was like, Wow, this is very 90s. I'm going to be honest with you. He got very lucky that that dude who was washing his car was also trying to kill that man. Yeah. Because if he was just some random dude who didn't know, oh, we can't wash our cars here, and he got Which would popped be by Kevin yeah. Costner. Yeah. So, like, that would be Mikey dead on the ground. <laughs> I, I don't know if they don't have this in the parking garages near you, but near me, most parking garages that are attached to like a big mall or something have one floor for car detailing and car washing. No shit. Okay. That is not something yes. I'm familiar with. Yeah. Okay. Fucking Westgate malls. I know. And <laughs> so usually you pull up into that specific, you know, floor. You can't wash cars on any other floor of that garage. It doesn't even matter if you live there. Are they shoot you, Todd? Apparently. Yeah. Well, there's no water. Yeah, water can't travel that high in California. There are regulations, Mike. <laughs> there's no hoses or anything. Like, that's what I'm oh, saying. Oh, like, there's a lot of hose in California. You know what I'm saying? But you'd have to, like, bring water with you. So, like, they are in Los Angeles. That's where most of this movie takes place. Which means that if you were on a parking floor and not a car washing floor washing a car, that's very out of the norm. And it is reason that security would come at you. And shoot you. And then they'd be like, what are you doing? And he's like, I brought a bucket and a mop to wash my car. <laughs> yeah, at the Grove. Uh, they will fully shoot you for that shit. That's why Rick Caruso shouldn't have been mayor. Uh, that's why we did not elect him. Because they would fully tase people for that shit All the time So Kevin Costner did the 90s version of tase somebody And shot them dead for washing their car Yeah That's what <laughs> yes, happens yeah, yeah, yeah. when we pick up in this movie And he threw a gun on him and was like He's an assassin <laughs> to be, Yeah 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 Sprinkle some crack on it and be like He came at me what could I do uh, But like He was washing right towards us <laughs> Right towards us <laughs> That's on par with the rest of his behavior In the rest of the movie so, like, he is an impulsive asshole who gets lucky. <laughs> I think the reason he's, like, so quiet and angsty the rest of the movie is because he's living with this secret that he actually murdered he's someone murdered in this garage. People. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a good bodyguard because he <laughs> shoots birds, asks questions later. Yeah. The person's going to live, but everyone else is going to die. Yeah. We <laughs> cut to uh, whoever the guy he was protecting's office 
where he's just like, we're going to miss you in the Secret Service. Drink. And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. Well, I don't think it was in the Secret Service. I think it was just the job he was on because he's post-Secret Service at this point. He is post-Secret Service, but we don't know what this job was. I think it was just another yeah. contracted job. Another you guy. Know, from his agency. I don't know how this shit works. Mm. But like he, he says, I'd love to give you a full-time job. And Kevin Costner's like, no. I'm a man on the run. Yeah. this He's more like a Ronin, I guess, if you want to use the samurai metaphor, because he won't attach himself to one person. Anyway, so he gets home to his house, or there's a pile of mail on the front porch, or the front door, and I was like, your house would have been so robbed. Dude, it's almost <laughs> more like trash at this point, because it's like, yes. it looks convincing, because it is like newspapers, and what looks like sort of junk mail, sort of like piled on top of each other at his door, like he didn't turn off getting his mail delivered, he didn't turn off his newspaper deliveries, he's just a bad planner, I guess, but he does sort of kick it all out of the way to get in. Here's the thing. Even if you turn yours off, junk mail still comes to your house, by the way. True. But I mean, the paper was there, too. There were like 50 papers yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, you should That's turn weird. off the paper because print media is dead. But like, well, of course, yeah. <laughs> when we moved into this house, we kept getting their junk mail. We can't stop it. And the lady who lived here before us was subscribed to like every sad animal quarterly newsletter or whatever, and we can't get them to turn it off. It's a whole problem. But with that much mail on the porch, how did he not get robbed? I know. Probably because he shot two guys in a parking garage down the street. They're like, <laughs> don't go in that house. That could be. Yeah, they're guys. like, we know that's him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a trap. He just wants an excuse to shoot us. Yes. <laughs> anyway, he goes inside uh, and he makes a real, real sad dinner where he eats directly out of the saucepan. Been there, brother. And sits down for a nice, relaxing, lonely stare into the middle distance. <laughs> or as I call it, Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday. Meanwhile, Rachel, strange pop star name, but sure. Actress. She's an actress now. She, well, and yeah, that's true because she's a multi hyphenate. Yeah. She's going for that EGOT, baby. I wondered if this was her EGOT because of the big deal everyone was making about it, but they just didn't actually say EGOT, but probably. Yeah. That's the vibe I got too, Paige. Yeah. So she's out on stage performing. Meanwhile, back in her dressing room, a doll that someone gave her, like a fan gave her, explodes in the dressing room. Yeah. Thankfully, she's not hurt, although her chauffeur is. Yeah. And we see his hand bandage later. Yeah. Because they're trying to make him a red herring too. Uh, they're trying to make every Everybody a red herring in this movie. Yeah. So we cut to Kevin Costner's house and uh, her and I could not figure out what Devaney's job was because he's not her head of security, but he also knows Kevin Costner and like they have a relationship somehow, but he travels with her the whole time. Devaney's the, the older guy, right? Yes. Yeah. I got that. He was like possibly her manager manager. Mm, Sky is her manager. Sky's her publicist. Is that her publicist? Yes. Well, then why would Size he know publicist. Kevin Costner? Well, I guess maybe he could have hired Kevin Costner for a different famous person, and that's how he knows him? I mean, there's like a group of like three people who manage her. I mean, and her sister is also her personal secretary, so she's around yes. in the mix, too. Like, yeah, and then the and Tony then guy is also- her, yeah. He's her head of security. Current head of security at the beginning, Current yeah. head of security. But I guess, no, you're right. If he's like her manager manager, he probably manages other people also, and that might be how he knows Kevin Costner. That makes sense. I mean, that's very possible. Or he came highly recommended to them, because I don't know yeah, that he something. knew him, knew him, just knew of him. Yeah. Uh, in the scene, I think we're about to get to when he's talking to him at Kevin Costner's house, I, right? We're yeah. right in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so he's literally like, I'll give 
give you two grand a week, which this is how you know that this movie is old, that you're just like, man, two grand a week. That's crazy money. Where now it's like you could buy a modest home in Los Angeles (laughs) for 2K a week. You would be lucky to afford it. (laughs) (laughs) But Kevin Costner like declines it. And then like over the course of the scene, yeah, talks him up to 3K and then he does except at 3k and if you adjust that 3k for inflation that's around six thousand four hundred and fifty dollars a week so that is 335 ish thousand dollars a year now i mean he's not hired on with like an annual salary he's like a contract employee that sleeps with his boss yeah so like maybe the lawsuit will net more than that when he sues her for sexual harassment later but like who knows (laughs) we'll see 3k is the the boyfriend experience (laughs) yeah also like she didn't hire him. The manager hired him. So, like, is she the boss? There's some gray area there. I don't think there's well, a gray area. the manager area. is like, hiring him with her money. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. There's definitely, like, a dotted line to Whitney Houston to every employee in this place. Yeah. Uh-huh. We don't know if she had firing power. She's she the CEO, absolutely does. She yes. is, like, the end-all, be-all, alpha, and wit mega. Like, she is going to do whatever she wants. Yeah. Anyway, he shows up <laughs> the next day. Day as they're rehearsing at her house after throwing some knives badly but then later throwing knives great i couldn't tell if he was pretending to be yeah. bad or if he was just bad no he's good i think he was just doing a bit which was weird so. because it, it was wasn't weird. funny right 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 <laughs> anyway so he drives up to this house in the hills uh, and he notices that there was a car following him and it backs down the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's just driving suspiciously, right? Right. And the PA system has been tampered with at the gate. Oh, and I love when he goes in, he gives a different name every time. He gives every time. Henry Ford at the door, Edison at the box. Alexander Graham Bell at, at the, the box. gate. That's right. You're right. Yeah. And then he gives Edison to the chauffeur. And then Ford at the door. Yeah. And no one stops him. But that's his test to be like, how vigilant are people being? Yeah, yeah. How good is the security here? And spoiler alert, it fucking blows. It's terrible. For She is Beyonce levels of famous in this movie. And not a single person is like, can I see some ID? I know, right? <laughs> like, They're like, I have yeah. an appointment. What's your name? Uh, Alexander Graham Smell? Who cares? Like, let me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he finally gets inside. He meets with Devaney and they're doing this like metropolis robot kind of cool thing. And they're like filming it. It was almost like they were shooting a music video in there with the camera equipment and the tracks on the floor to like steady cam it. I think they're shooting a documentary. Oh, I mean, that could be like that did look like that kind of equipment. And the reason I think that is because... That's part of what they were shooting at the club scene later is they want background footage. That's right. For like a tour documentary that's going to come out later. It reminded me of Beyonce's Homecoming where there's like a whole back story of them dancing, learning the dancing. Also one of the best tour documentaries ever i do love tour docs like they're their own animal and they're not for everybody but for like music yeah. nerds i do love them i haven't seen homecoming i need to watch oh, that oh homecoming is so good i bet i love also, it the, the album is good of course but the coolest thing about homecoming is she does the entire show it's just for those two weeks of coachella right yeah yeah. the entire show is with a full marching band Fuck. and they do new arrangements of all of her songs to be done live with a full marching band and majorettes and it's Fucking phenomenal. It's one of the coolest things I've ever yeah, seen. I gotta see that. Anyway, back into this movie. Wait, that's not on stars, is it? 
It's on fucking Netflix. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I can watch it then. That's great. <laughs> uh, so this is where he meets Tony, the other security guy, who is... <laughs> I know he is a famous actor because I have met him. He did a table reading one time when I was in uh, film school. Oh, no shit. I do really? not ever remember his name but in my mind he's always mob guy number four like he's his name is mike star that's and what the it only was. reason yes. i know that is because i'm looking at the imdb page page okay but yes. he is a oh it's that guy like yes when i see him on the screen i'm comfortable because he's like a character actor that is like known and <laughs> as mob guy number four yeah, exactly yes. and he plays sort of a big dumb oaf in this but by the end of the movie i sort of loved him so my last six months of uh screenwriting school uh it was me and six other students who functioned as a working writer's room and we each wrote our own pilots oh that's awesome at the end of that they brought in actors to do like staged read. readings that's yeah table fucking, reads that's great and but they brought in like three or four different people who played a bunch of different parts for a bunch of different people sure so he read for me and a couple other people as like a bunch of different characters but they basically just stay for the whole like three hours of class yeah, yeah, yeah. and read on everything and he was super cool and gave it 110% for every script of course dude was nice as hell yeah, yeah it was really fun that didn't surprise me at all anyway he basically is like oh nice to meet you you know and everyone's kind of flippant about the fact that they're bringing him in and everyone's like, ah, we don't need a fucking bodyguard. Like, yeah, it's clear that they don't take security seriously, seriously here. I mean, but because yeah. the way he was able to get on uh, and get in the house, and like, there's no cameras around, and like Kevin Costner's character that we're sort of seeing this through, he's is clocking also, all of it. Yeah, he's taking note of all of it. So, like, I mean, even when when we just see the house for the first time, I was like, this is a beautiful house that looks really worn down. And then, yeah. Kevin Costner comes in and changes a lot of that But I really thought that that was like Good direction yeah well and We meet Whitney Houston's character Rachel Rachel Marin and she does not Seem to like care Very much that he's There she's like I don't need a bodyguard Yeah you're overblowing this This is crazy well and we come to find Out that she doesn't know the full story yet So yes. like I understood later in the movie Why she was treating him that way but Yeah I, I do think with the amount of information We already have at this point she is she seems Insane to me I'd be like if a doll Was sent to me and it exploded and hurt Someone that I yes. cared about I'd be like get every Fucking bit of security up in this bitch like It's yeah. so bonkers but she Doesn't know yeah. that's, the, that's the thing they, they They're kept keeping it from, it from her, her. Yeah. yeah Yeah so she doesn't know about the doll and he's like, these people don't want me here. I, I, I don't want to have a client who doesn't want to have me around. Like, I got to go. He's being so needy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he needs somebody to pay attention. And he says at one point, he's like, none of my other clients have to. I, I don't ever have to explain why they should want to stay alive. Right. <laughs> so I think I kind of get where he's coming from. But he yeah. goes to leave. And Devaney and Cy, the publicist, and Devaney, I guess, manager, yeah. are like, we got to show him the room. And they take him to a fake bedroom that they made up for a, like, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, like, spread in a magazine. And they show him a number of letters that she has received and that someone has already gotten into the house and masturbated on this fake bed thinking it was her real bed. Yeah. So clearly there are security issues. 
And this is where he finds out that she doesn't actually know. They did not tell her about it. Yeah, and she's not in this scene, so she's not hearing it for the first time either. She still does not know. But this can't have been the guy who is actually trying to kill her. No. I think this was the guy they arrested. With because, the locker. Yeah, because he had oh, like... Oh, the guy with the weird head. He was like stalking the shit out of her. Yeah. He looks like shy, Sideshow Bob if he was like a real person. Well, and oh didn't have God, red hair. Does. It was like blonde. Either really blonde or white. Yeah. But it looks the same... It's it the same like facial structure. Yeah, absolutely yeah. it does. I understood why you went there. No, I mean like <laughs> the the math teacher in Better Off Dead looks like real life Sideshow Bob. Uh, but this guy has like a Sideshow Bob vibe. Yes. Where like you look at him and you're like, ah, the captain of the pin of four, which is just a joke <laughs> for Sideshow Bob people. His name is Vincent Shival, I believe is the guy you're talking about. He plays Mr. Kerber on Better Off Dead, who is the math teacher. Yes. And as I look at the picture of him, there's no way you're not talking about him. It has to be that guy. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> He's got the same head shape, hair shape, yeah. intonation. All of it. Yeah. And he's wondering if he could take out Beth. Uh, so <laughs> this is also where they're like asking him about his career in the Secret Service. He was like, yeah, I was with Carter for two years, then four with Reagan. And they're like, Reagan got shot. And he was like, not on my shift. That's going to come back. <laughs> the through line of him being sad. That, that he that, wasn't that there he... to save Reagan. I was like, man. Oh, <laughs> politics aside, I've, I've hung out with some Secret Service people. So have I. They, they have a job, and they take the job very seriously. Yeah. And if you take a day off and that guy gets shot, you're going to be pissed. It doesn't matter like, what side of the political one spectrum. job. Yeah, he, they literally have one job. That was the vibe of the guy I hung out with that was on in Secret Service, too. Yeah. yeah. And they take that job very seriously. You have to, man. I'd imagine almost all bodyguards do. Yeah. They all have samurai swords in their bedroom. <laughs> and they are just cutting up their loved one's scarves, Paige. And yeah. I have never felt safer. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we're always five to seven feet away from a bladed weapon. I do love, well, we can talk about this when we get there, but the fact that she's playing around with it is funny to me. I have a whole theory on it. It's a metaphor for penis. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, oh, so no. <laughs> No, they just came back from a samurai movie. So she's like fucking around with a samurai sword because she just saw someone doing that for two hours. Yeah. I would do the same thing. And it's his penis. And it's his penis. <laughs> Duh. Freud. Uh, so <laughs> at this point, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm down. Clearly, you guys do need me. But she needs to understand what's going on. And her PR or her publicist, Sai, is like, oh, I'll talk to her. He does not. We will find out later in the movie that he didn't talk to her fucking at all. Yeah, it's almost halfway through this movie that she finds out what's the full story. Right. So he is going to become her bodyguard. Meanwhile, we cut to someone watching her on the TV and doing arts and crafts and making a letter and wearing what looks like a wig, but we will find out is just his very questionable hair. Um, but this is where we get the announcement of her being up for an Oscar. Yeah. Or at least a favored. People think she's going to get the nomination and therefore think she's going to win. And I do think this is because she's going to EGOT because they're making such a big deal out of it. So we cut to Kevin Costner coming back the next day with his bag of security stuff. Yeah. And in walks the chauffeur and is like, why'd you say your name was Edison? Was it to see how difficult 
it was to get in and he was like yeah and he's like it wasn't difficult was it he's like no (laughs) now you're my partner in crime let's go like you're gonna help me and i do love that the chauffeur is just immediately like hell yeah we're both secret agents now (laughs) like let's do it he should have been like so what's the pay bump yeah 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 so (laughs) if i have to take on extra duties dental with this or (laughs) is there like a 401k or life insurance (laughs) yeah so uh he teaches him how to like Drive the limo Like getaway drive Which is pretty cool That was pretty cool Like the, I, I think they call them Defensive driving courses Kind of thing Yes but I like, would love to take one Yeah same uh, But he like Is in a limo I think it would be Way more difficult To like J-turn in a limo Yeah well that's like The guy in uh, Wedding <laughs> wedding Singer Where they're making him Go through the rate Like the time trial <laughs> Yeah Anyway So we also see them doing construction, replacing cameras on the gate, replacing the gate house, all kinds of stuff. He spends a lot of money. Well, it's a lot of her money. Yeah. It's a lot of her money. I mean, but she, I think she absolutely needs it. Yeah. I don't think she knows she needs it because no one's being honest with her. Well, what she needs is a more loyal sister. (laughs) I hated that subplot so much. She needs a Solange who will kick people in elevators to protect you. Hashtag what would Solange do? Yes. I need, I I remember the sister reveal. I I remember them singing a choir song, but does the sister ever get her? Yeah, Portman murders her. Yeah, that's why Whitney Houston definitely wins the Oscar at the end because (laughs) the Academy is like, someone murdered her sister. We can't. Not let her win at this point. Did Kevin Costner ever tell Whitney Houston that her sister's the one who hired the hitman? I don't think so. And I don't would think so? never. I would I never she tell overheard. her. Oh, she might have. I didn't think she did. But I would never tell her. I would tell. Well, uh, I I would tell her just so that I didn't get blamed for her sister dying. (laughs) Like, that sounds terrible. That's one. And then two, if I'm taking a bullet, I want her to blame her sister because you're paying for my health care. Well, and (laughs) at some point he has to A, explain why he knew it was Portman and B, how that came to be and why. So regardless, she's going to find out. And given what we know about him here where he was like, she needs to know yeah. I think he told her I think he told her He probably did Well yeah You kind of knew it When the movie kind of Telegraphs that When her middle name was Kane Hey Mikey <laughs> Do you ever feel compelled To kill your younger sibling Who was wildly more successful Than you Yeah I do it myself <laughs> though Like I feel like If I was gonna kill somebody Like if I'm really gonna do it Like I wanna be hands on Like I wanna feel the life Go out of him He wants to see the life Drain out of that doctor's eyes <laughs> No, I've got so many other people on my list. Well, I do too. Right? But I mean, like, if I really wanted to kill somebody, I think shooting them would be too easy, and I don't think that would make me feel better. I don't know about your relationship with y'all siblings, but I feel like we could team up and be more powerful. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. They weren't so selfish. I mean, we would get in screaming arguments every once in a while, but mostly powerful. Yeah. But, like, if someone really wronged me or, like, hurt children or something, like, I don't know, I feel like killing them would be unsatisfying. Because it would just be so quick. Honestly, yes. And 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 this is just me. There's a part of me that's also like, I'm not going to kill you because that's what you would do. You know, like where you're like, I'm better than killing you. That's my kind of petty right there. I love it. Because right? I... I could never kill anybody. That would be never say never. I mean, yeah, I, never I, that's, say never. That's fair because if it was like a self defense situation, I think I probably yeah, could snap into it. Absolutely, but like yes. it's hard for me to even like fathom that. Really, I mean, uh, I'd be so nervous that I'd get caught. Does that sound terrible? Like, if that's the reason, yes, that does sound terrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing. Like, 
self-defense <gasps> is one thing, right? Yeah. We're talking premeditated murder. Oh, are we? Hang on. Let me turn off my recorder. <laughs> in, in, in my mind i'm like i've listened to a lot of true crime do i have ideas about how to get away with it yes am i gonna fuck it up somehow absolutely yes like if i do this i'm going away to prison for life so i better make it count right only like 36 percent of murders get solved that's true and maybe that's i get way lucky. lower than i expected is that true yeah that's true 36 ish i feel like we should google that's that's that yeah google that stat but while you're doing that I, so for me, I'm like, if I'm going to kill you, it's got to be worth me throwing away my life. And there's no one worth throwing away my life. Hell Does that make yeah. sense? No, That's so yeah. petty and so terrible. No, I feel the same way. Like, I'm yeah. going to ride out this life unmurdering people because I want to see where it takes me. It's about 50% right 50%. now. 50%. Okay. okay. I was going to say it was like half, right? way lower than I expected. Uh, that's I terrible. Also, I feel like if I throw away my life taking your life you won still somehow like for me success is the better revenge like i think it's way more fucked up of me to succeed instead of killing you and for you to have to watch it yeah agreed i don't want to kill anybody yeah i'm on your team yeah yeah but let's get back into it so as he's walking the grounds he sees her sister dancing and goes in to talk to her sister because this part of the movie is kind of like an episode of murderville where he has to interview all the suspects yeah. <laughs> where she's just like yeah we used to be in a band back in the day but clearly she was the star so i do this now wah, wah, wah. it like, did that's feel it. a little bit like he was from glass onion what is that series called uh knives out yeah yeah he was like from knives out or something you know yeah 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 it felt like that at least the very beginning of this because he does go to like this one location and interview like four people yes and he's just like the glass sculptures with the fossil fuels that could ignite <laughs> at any moment it's so colossally stupid it's a donut within a donut hole within a greater donut like that kind of thing that sounds like a delicious crime honestly mm. i fucking love those knives out movies <laughs> me too i like both of them anyway so he goes and takes the letters to his contacts with I assume the FBI because there's a bunch of other former Secret Service people there. I thought it was either the FBI or the Secret Service. Like he just went back yeah. to like his home office in yeah. D.C. Yeah. and asked them about it because I don't think they really. No, it is Secret Service because they're talking about how they're um, protecting a senator who's like an asshat. Yes, they are. But I do think because I don't think he flies to D.C. and back. I think he just goes to the FBI office in Los Angeles. We have a big one. I honestly don't think it says if it did. I missed it. It, it doesn't. But I, I think the Secret Service would be turning it over to the FBI to investigate anyway right no no they have their own investigation division and okay. they have field offices in most major cities okay like okay nashville, so maybe nashville has a nashville has a secret service office yeah the, the secret service officer i met and hung out with a little bit was stationed in nashville interesting so he probably just took it to the local office and yeah, was like yeah, can yeah. you run so this thing and run then they're this like, thing this is a famous person they're like oh yeah she's super cool yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we cut to she's going to brunch and he's overprotective of like a kid who wants her autograph. But as they're leaving brunch, they do see that somebody's following them. Yeah. Well, because they're driving and that car is literally tailing them. And it's not. Yeah. An inconspicuous car. It's a very conspicuous no. car. It's like a car that Mikey would drive if he was driving yeah. around a 92. I mean, it was cool looking. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just looking something up. Did you guys think it was interesting that it was the same style of car that OJ drove? That's just what I looked up because OJ was two years later. And Kevin only drinks orange juice in this movie. <laughs> <Follow> <laughs> you money. do the math. Except that the trial of OJ Simpson was two years after this. I know. Kevin Costner was trying to warn us tell, this whole tells time. Tells the future? 
oh, back man. and to the left. That is a different Kevin Costner movie where he did accurately predict the assassination of JFK. You're right. <laughs> he accurately predicted it about 25 years after it happened, but <laughs> it was accurate. I was gonna say it was like predicted. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've never seen JFK. I'm pretty sure they say it was like some conspiracy theory thing, right? Um, There's multiple conspiracy theories. We don't theories. have time to unpack okay. that. <laughs> I, I have so many thoughts. I mean, it was clearly the officer in the car with them. That's the one that I think. Yeah. yeah, where he slipped. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. But could it be Aliens. people from the Hollow Moon? I've been watching a lot of Skinwalker Ranch recently, <laughs> and the evidence is compelling. <laughs> is it? Dude, they have caught like four or five UFOs on camera, and you're just like, how is this not news? And I'm like, it's two in the morning, page. You got to go to sleep. Yeah, you got to be up in two hours. <laughs> yeah, be up in a couple hours, yeah. So <laughs> they they take the car up to the house, uh, he runs out in front of the car and tries to catch the it's it's actually it's like a SUV. Basically, he tries to catch it as it drives away because it's clearly casing the place, but he misses it. He literally he jumps yeah. out <laughs> into the street. If he had been it 10 seconds earlier, yes. it would have run over him. But yo, Mikey, he does pull a gun. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I love it because it's real dumb, but like it's like. What was that movie where the guy walked the long way? The lucky one. The, the lucky, lucky one. one. It's like the sheriff and the lucky one. That's the weirdness oh that he pulls God. his gun out. Yes. In that crowded thing. Yes. The farmer's, the farmer's market. market. It's like yeah. Kevin Costner pulls his gun out like seven times in this film. One of them is appropriate. I mean, at least he's a bodyguard. And the guy in the, like the guy in the lucky one was a sheriff in a town where nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he clearly <laughs> knows he has qualified immunity, and that's the problem in yeah. the lucky one. I, well, he got his. A treehouse fell on him and killed him. Yeah, in the water, mm -hmm. he drowned in that treehouse. <sighs> that is a perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he misses the car, so we cut back to the house a couple days later. And she is chilling by the pool while construction is happening. And she's just like, this is fucking nuts. I, you don't want me to go to brunch with my friends. No one can get through the gates. And people are fucking sawing all the time. And she's like, I don't want this anymore. This is fucked up. And this is where he kind of has to go shopping with her. And she's trying things on and he's guarding her. This is that scene you were talking about where like yeah. she's literally like the changing room is like a hallway behind where the store is with like a curtain behind it. Right. Yeah. Hot. So mm -hmm. she walks behind the curtain, closes it, starts to change. And they're having a conversation about his job and she's complaining about the changes to the house and stuff like that. And he is just protecting her, like looking at people in the store, outside the store. And she's like, hey, will you hand me that red jacket or whatever? And he's like, yeah, I'm here to protect you, not shop. <laughs> <laughs> Which true. like I get that that is true But like bro You're getting paid Three grand a week Like just at least Say it nicely If you're not gonna do it Yeah yeah But yeah. like she she's like fine So she comes out And grabs it And goes back in And then he smiles Like he successfully Achieved a flirt It's a battle of wills Todd <laughs> Todd I was like This is not like A cute she way She has the power But he's taking the power But then she's gonna Get the power back It's like a power yeah. thing it's a power thing. That's why it's so sexy. It's not, though. It was kind of hot. I did kind of like this oh, scene. Oh, did you? I didn't like this scene. I liked it later. Tell the her what's eye up. contact as she's, like, taking her clothes off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, God. No, I'm with you. Anyway, mm -hmm. we cut to back of the house. He's, like, watching one of her videos. And she sees him watching the video and is just like, 
And then he like closes the shades and gets the lotion out. And she's like, oh, I probably don't want to watch this. Oh, what? Oh, (laughs) he's all bent over and sweating. He's going to pull an old Mikey move, which is get along with the kid really well. And then like you're fucking in. That's true. He is getting along with with Fletcher, who turns out to be like boy genius. Uh, Boy geniuses don't steal a rowboat or whatever. First off, that (laughs) boat was clearly motorized (laughs) and and there was a bomb on it for some reason. I do love that. Like he apologizes and then the boat explodes. Because if he had waited like 30 more seconds, he wouldn't have. He would have been like, see, I told you I saved his life. I know. I know Kevin Costner's character, Frank Funnel, or whatever fucking stupid ass name they gave Funnel. Frank Farmer. Mikey Farmer. <laughs> they gave him a dumb name. That's too much Farmer. alliteration for this serious like of a movie. Farmers only. My name is Frank Farmer, and I'm a bodyguard. But you know he brought it up later, like I told you. Sounds so. hot. Sounds like he's got a hot, blocky, square head and some shoulders. <laughs> He does it. But Frank Funnel Cake does. (laughs) Sounds so fucking good right now. Yeah, I've been talking about it for weeks. I do like Funnel Cake. Can we just get a moment of silence for a (laughs) fun? Yeah. I just noticed that we all literally just got quiet when we were like, Funnel Cakes, man. Fuck. They do slap. Anyway, (laughs) so we cut to the next day and he's teaching the chauffeur how to check under her car for bombs. When they suddenly leave the house and he's like, wait, uh, where are you going? It's dinner time. And her publicist is like, we got to go to a club. And he's like, you have to tell me these things. Yeah. Not just the club. They straight up go to the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> they go to Club Zion. <laughs> oh, I love that laugh out of Mikey. Yeah. It's also a show. They're not just like going to visit the club and sit in VIP. No. She's going to be up on stage in front of everybody. Paige, this would have been planned and scheduled a month in advance. Like She would have had like a team of security. Yes. Kevin Costner would have had this on his itinerary. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is why it goes badly. Anyway, so they all roll up to this club and it's a giant event. And at this point, I was like, oh, no, he would have like a team and a plan and and like a rider with like cases of Diet Cokes in her dressing room. Like this would be like a whole thing. Yeah, that's our rider, by the way, just cases of Diet Cokes. That's what was on my rider was cases of Diet Coke. And my hotel has to have doors that open to the inside so that it's not just a motel where people can walk up to your door. Absolutely. My rider's on strike. (laughs) Hell yeah, Mikey. Support the WGA. 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 Anyway, so (laughs) they go through the back and it's clear that one bodyguard is not enough. Even him plus Tony is not enough. So they get her into the dressing room. Somebody throws a bottle and just misses her uh, as they go inside. Then in her dressing room, there's a letter and it is one of the ransom letters. And she's like, what the fuck is this? And they're like, oh, another one. And her publicist kind of like, yeah, I was supposed to tell you. And I did not yeah, tell well, you. And because Kevin Costner <laughs> said, oh, there's another letter. Yeah. Because he was under the impression that Sai is Sai, right? Sai, yeah. Was going to tell her and he did not. Who I fully thought Sai was somehow in on it because of what a douchebag he was. No, Sai's just a publicist. Um, He's just yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Which hey, I don't, that's fair. I don't know that publicists are actually like that. I've met like three publicists in my life and they're all sort of nice people. But my old college roommate has her own PR company. Oh, well. And she's very cool and very nice and takes very good care of her clients. Yeah. So I feel like it is a lot of what Mikey was saying. They were just like trying to play someone as like the Hollywood douche. And that happens yeah. to be Cy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so they're like another letter. And she's like what more than one and they kind of like fill her in and she's like um okay so this guy's like here and they're like yeah probably you probably shouldn't do the show and she's like 
well, I guess we have to cancel. And then she hears people like booing and being sad. And she's like, you know what? I'm not fucking afraid. And I'm like, all right. Well, you should shit. be. But all right. You should be. The thing that happens to her at this point, though, is not like it's so preventable. <laughs> yes, 100. <laughs> because the guy doesn't attack her here. He just. I don't know that he wants to, to be honest. No, I think he just wants to jerk off in her bed because I feel like the yeah, note guy so. is the guy who broke in and jerked off in the bed, right? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't think he wants to kill her either, but. What happens is as she's singing, she gets like pulled off the stage and like it's like almost like she's crowd surfing, but non consensually. No, they like they like all get up on stage and throw her off. Yeah, they let guys up onto the stage oh, yeah. and then they pulled her off. Which there should be no guys on the stage. Like she lets that one guy and she's like, Okay, but there's not enough security around right. to make sure that it's only that one guy. But don't worry. Now that she's out in the crowd, Kevin Costner's gonna go beat up at least twenty people trying to get at to least. her. I love how he grabs the fire extinguisher literally pushes someone out of the way with it and Probably then hose people down dudes. with it yeah it's so yeah. great he plays this like i play video games like he's just <laughs> this, this is my fucking nightmare though like full disclosure if you try to come up on stage and i was not ready for it i will spartan kick you in the chest and i won't feel bad about just, like, it at bonk all him with the mic like Ooh, yes on the forehead but, like <laughs> dude a girl almost died last year from somebody throwing a full can of beer at her like shit i saw that yeah yes like do not fuck with people as like i will kick you i don't care <laughs> like let the club invoice me later you should not be coming up on stage yeah uh, anyway, so she gets dragged off. He finally gets to her, but she's basically unconscious. Like she has been head bonked through the crowd, basically. Well, and as we see him sort of fighting to get to the front, we do see him talk into his like walkie talkie system or whatever that's like in his sleeve. He kind of like eye motions the chauffeur. Yeah, too. And yeah. He, he has to have told him to take the limo to a different entrance. Yeah, because Tony goes out the entrance the, where the limo was, and there's no yes. limo out there. Yeah, Tony's not cool. Chauffeur who he's been. Teaching real cool. Yeah. Well, Tony also says, come on this way. Yeah. Which means that people are going to follow them. He needed the stealth chauffeur. He made the right call. He did. Tony absolutely. was inexperienced and didn't do the right thing. Well, and also Tony was a good decoy because people do follow Tony out. Yes. And that sort of frees Kevin Costner up a little bit to carry her out the other entrance, which is very much like the poster of the movie is this shot. It's, yeah. It's everyone remembers this. Yeah. And also, I thought this scene was like the end of the movie. Movie Me too. From, from what I remember. Me too. And I'm like, yeah. oh, this is like the beginning. Yeah. Because she curls up child style into his costery farmer shoulders. I know. It's super hot. And it's raining yeah. like the Matrix and Agent Agent Smith's after him and they get in the limo and they go away. Yeah. <laughs> so they get in the limo. He like tucks her in with his jacket and they get her home safe. Yeah. Cut back to the club as they're cleaning up and somebody finds one of her glitter gloves and sniffs it and then keeps it. <laughs> Weird. I, I don't have much of a sense of smell. I'm not like a smell dude. I don't get it. Like, it's not for me. Mikey. Okay. I'm a smell dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know you are. I would have smelled the glove. I'm not going to lie to you. I would have smelled it. Even if I just found it. I'd be like, oh, she wore this. What's she smell like? <laughs> That's not weird. That's just something people do. It is definitely something people do. It's weird to me. Like, it's not something that I'm into. It's you know weird what I'm saying? to me. Well, that's not entirely true. It's not. It, it, you could get way weirder because like. Oh, yeah. If a hot guy took off a hoodie and handed it to me, I would definitely smell it. Also, when I was in Portland last year for a thing, I found a candle that smelled like Jake after the shower. And I thought that was really cool. <laughs> 
I've gotten really into scented candles too lately in my old age as well. Did you light the ones that we bought? <laughs> Mikey and I bought twin candles. Midnight rain or whatever is not as I wanted it to be a stronger smell. It's a t- it's mm. kind of too light, but also like I've been able to smell well with pneumonia. I think that's you because like <laughs> it smelled great. So I stopped <laughs> burning candles house. until I feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forgot what flavor we bought at that same store, but it smelled great. You bought one of the food flavors because Mikey and I remember had like a thing where we're like we don't do food candles. We're too good for that. We're for too the good. record, I didn't buy and I mean. I guess I did buy it, but Natalie picked it out. Like, I didn't, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with that. Anyway. Yeah. We cut back to the house where Kevin Costner's sitting eating like a nectarine in the kitchen. And Tony comes home and he's just like, what the fuck? But like, I don't know why he feels the need to fight Kevin Costner over this, but like. I think he's butthurt. He had to take a taxi home. Like, there's no reason for him to be upset. I will say that Kevin Costner beats him to death. Oh, yeah. (laughs) More or less. Yeah. He throws him across the counter and they have an enclume pot rack that hangs down. Oh, and he hit his head on the pots. Every skillet yes. across. I was just like, oh shit, that would hurt so hard. I saw that and I was like, okay, first off, that's not a stunt double. That is that guy. Somebody hit those skillets. Yeah, yeah. and you're seeing him hit those. Like that had to hurt in the moment. I don't care if it was a stunt, quote unquote. He felt that. Yeah, oh, that. Had to, and then he grabs a knife and then Kevin Costner just like throws the tiny knife he has and it sticks into the cabinet behind him and he's like, I don't want to talk about this again like an inch away from his head i honestly thought it was gonna like nick his ear or something like it was very close so then he pulls a giant butcher knife and they have like an eye contact stare off and then tony's like i respect you well because he pulls that butcher knife then kevin costner throws the knife then he just puts the knife the bigger (laughs) knife down but kevin costner's like i don't want to talk about this again and i was just like that's right. Hell yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> Kevin Costner's cool as fuck in this movie. Dude, hot as hell. I'm not sure Kevin Costner says one line not in anger in this movie. Love it. Like, he's <laughs> only talking when he's upset. Great. <laughs> Even when he sees his dad. That's true. He's he's very sweatery and cuddly when he, he sees his dad. Yeah. Anyway. So we cut to the next day. She meets up with him on like the driveway of her house and is just like, hey, thank you uh, for helping me not die. And I'm sorry. I didn't know all that stuff. And I'm going to cooperate. But also you want to like get down? I mean, she sort of asks him on a date, more or less. Yeah. I mean, if you save somebody, there's some like, are you going to say the implication, Mikey? I'm not going to say the implication. I'm saying if you're two single people and one of you saves the other one and it's like a hot, adrenaline filled situation. Trauma bonding. Yes. Yeah. Did we learn nothing from speed, guys? Of course they're going to have sex. (laughs) Hey, okay. For, For argument's sake, let's say I'm a single lady. And Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones saves me from a thing. Of course you're going to bang. Same with young Keanu Reeves in that bus. Hell yes. And you're Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Or like Kurt Russell yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. Or like Kurt Russell now. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Or like Kurt Russell's son now. now? Yeah. Or Kevin Costner in this movie. Like, yeah. No, I get it. You found him attractive in this movie? Hell yes. Okay. I was all for it. You know what movie we got to do now that we've done this? What? Prince of Thieves. Hell yes. We don't. Really? Fuck me, he cleared it. He doesn't even speak in an English accent, but it is a romance. Is it? I mean, he falls in love Maid with Maid Marion Page. And you got Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham, and he slaps It says that action film. adventure film. Well, I'm going to respectfully disagree. I'll do speed if we do that. Oh, I love speed. 
I recently watched the Tom Cruise Cameron Diaz action rom com Night and Day. Oh, oh that movie's no. terrible. It that is movie is aggressively terrible. terrible. So if we do these action uh, romances, that's the one I'm going to do because that one is hilariously bad. I watched Ghosted this past weekend. That was also terrible. I watched that too. And then I immediately watched Night and Day because it gave me those vibes. So now that you've seen Ghosted, do you agree with Mikey and I that the bodyguard, the, the bounty hunter scene that's only five minutes long and clearly written by somebody else is the funniest part of the movie? It has to have been written by Someone who had punch up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It has to have been a punch up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't even fit with the rest of the movie. It is the best part mm. of it, though. <laughs> it is. If only for the most hilarious bounty hunter pun name ever. Um, yeah. So she's like, like, do you want to smash or not? And he's just like, uh, and she's like, well, let me know if you want to smash. OK, bye. And she like goes back up to the house. But instead of saying smash, she's like, go on a date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They but don't she smash until sma- later. You know, she means smash. Yes, yeah, she means smash. She's a polite, classy woman. OK, she yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. is. Yes. So. We cut to a car wash where the limo is being detailed and a hand goes into the seats and pulls out one of her headshots that she was signing earlier and puts it in their locker. And this is clearly the dude who's been like collecting stuff and masturbating on her bed. Absolutely. So yeah. we cut to a movie theater where they have seen a samurai movie. That's the date they went on. 47 Ronin. No, they go and see Yojimbo uh, from 1961, which is actually released in the United States under the name The Bodyguard. No shit. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yep. Uh, so they go see the movie. And they come out, they talk about the movie. And this is where the really fun thing is he says he's not afraid of death and that's what makes him invincible. And I was like, oh, like Sisu that we saw at Panic Fest. I love that movie, man. That was so good. It was very fun. It was funny. If you have a chance and you want to see Nazis get got, then like, yeah. Yeah. Go see that. Go see it. But this is where we really kind of see the chemistry between them. They're talking about the movie. They go to a bar and sit and kind of talk. They dance. This is a great, like, long date, basically. Yeah. And they end up back at his house where she's playing with his samurai sword. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Yeah, she said, baby. Yeah, she's playing with that sword. And he's like, it's very sharp and pulls her scarf and drops it over the sword, which slices it in half. And I was just like, ooh. I did think it was a bit crass when he was like, I would take a bullet for you so you know what you got to take for me. No, he doesn't say that. It's just heavily implied. (laughs) He takes a shot. She takes a a hot beef injection. (laughs) Hello, Todd. It's Mikey. Hello, Mikey. It's Todd. I need to tell you something. Mikey, it's fine. You'll be a great dad. That's we're going to table that. But on that table is a delicious factor meal. Yes! What a transition! Oh my God, guys, this actually is a factor ad. That was amazing, Mikey. Mikey here for factor meal. All remains of the pod. Heck yeah. We're going to table it. Delicious, already fresh made meals, never frozen. It takes two minutes to warm up, just like Mikey does. I have a busy schedule. I work all day. I have fun too much. I also work at night. I also have too much fun. And I (laughs) have a problem with words. Yeah, words is one. Uh, (laughs) Ordering out is another one. Same. I ordered out tonight. Yes. I literally got, let's just say a factor equivalent meal for Natalie and I, and it was like $48 when it could have been way less with factor. 
Yeah, and I, I struggle with proportions. In fact, it comes pre-proportioned, pre-prepared, chef re- ready. I've used it before. Before they even advertised on the podcast, I used Factor Meals, especially when I was working a lot during the COVID lockdown. I mean, that was the best time to get on board with Factor, except for right now, because <laughs> Factor is giving 50% off to all of our listeners. If they go to factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 and use code romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's code romancingthepod50 at factormeals.com slash romancingthepod50 to get 50% off. That's a good deal. Do it. And they have an easy-to-use app. And they never require me to talk about the app. Mikey, that was the end of the ad. That was the end of the ad. I'm I'm still going. All right, Factor Meals. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyway, he slices her scarf in, in twain with the sword. <laughs> now they're pocket, pocket squares. Oh, yeah. yeah now, now they're, now they're now pocket, they're pocket squares, squares. Yeah. I couldn't get the joke out. I'm sorry. Uh, but they kiss, and this is a hot kiss, too. Like It's hotter than their kiss at the end. Yes. yes. Their kiss at the end looks like they're smushing their faces together and rubbing their lips. Like they're trying to eat each other's heads. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they we cut to them in bed, and she's like, I've never felt this safe before. No one can get by you. And he's like, right now, it might not be too difficult. And then as we pan over the bedside table, this is where we see her panties across the sword. Cut, cut across the sword, buddy. Implied that maybe he cut her cut panties off. off with the sword. Which is the dorkiest thing. As, as someone <laughs> with experience with sword guys, that's never happened to me. <laughs> He's like, do you want to see my Ninja Star collection? And you're like, oh, no, not really. It like pans up to the wall and her bra is stuck to it with like Ninja Stars stuck in like the shoulders or whatever. <laughs> and he's got that paper drawing thing, that scroll of Goku. And you're just like, okay, guy. Oh, God, I guess we can watch uh, It's Always Sunny and eat your quesadilla. And he's over here cutting a quesadilla with a samurai sword. He's like, no, we're watching Dragon Ball. Well, I'm making her a quesadilla because she stuck my entire bow staff in her mouth. Oh my god. I also love Kevin Costner because oh he pulls a Mikey immediately. Him <laughs> wakes up and is like, oh shit. I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to ghost his employer, which I thought was yeah. hilarious. At her Still. house, I think. Is he at her no, house? They're at no, his they're house. They're at his house, which means he had to drive her home. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> we can't do this anymore. We should break up. Let's get in the car and go to your place. Get in the car. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stop by. I got to get an Egg McMuffin. <laughs> I like Egg McMuffins the day after. That sounds too yeah, specific yeah. to not be real, Mikey. Dude, Egg McMuffins fucking slap. Or McGriddles. A little bit of little Ooh, McGriddles. are good. A little chicken McGriddle. Hell yeah. I'm going to eat half. Save the rest for lunch. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> They're like this They're big. They're so tiny. They're so tiny. I'm joking. You want my hash brown? Sort I can't of. eat it all. <laughs> I just got a ton of English muffins from Costco. Maybe I'll make my own. Hell yeah, egg McMuffins. Anyway, they have a they walk a shame it back to her mansion, which I would have fucked at her mansion if I had a choice. If you have a choice in the big gold bed, yeah, where the guy yeah. masturbated. Yeah, you want to be where the history was, right? Yeah, yeah. You guys have washed these sheets, right? You haven't. Good. <laughs> Good. Well, here's a tip for trauma: create new positive memories. <laughs> there you go. I'm just picturing them like 
stumbling down her long hallway making out and like put, bursting through that door and the guy's like there in the bed like huh? oh and they're like oh is this room taken okay sorry he would have <laughs> just shot him right there somebody came on the coats <laughs> oh god but he does have to walk a shame her home which is funny to me yes and he's talking to her kid and her kid's like she's mad at you huh and he's like yeah, fuck. Yeah, she's mad. I really wanted Fletch to be like, well, that's why you shouldn't have boned my mom, idiot. <laughs> yeah. You're not my dad and you never will be. <laughs> You're not my real bodyguard. <laughs> oh, for Fletch, you can't swim. Why don't you get in a boat? <laughs> okay, dad. Yeah, just like angry teen energy. I could have been here for Fletch that. Fletch really likes him, though, throughout the film. Fletch is great. He's like an eight year old kid who loves boats. But Frank Farmer, he can't process emotions like that. So he has to tackle him off that boat. There's no swimming up to the boat to there gently grab him. There was a bomb on the boat, Mikey. He didn't know that. <laughs> he, he didn't did know not that. know that. They could have let him go he out in the boat so and then be like, yeah. I think he planted it as he. Like jumped over the boat. I think he dropped the bomb. <laughs> I, dropped think, the bomb. I think Kevin Costner always had a bomb on that boat, and he did it. He blew it up to teach Fletcher a lesson. That's his secret. He's always got a bomb on the boat. Uh huh. <laughs> My favorite part. Well, you know, what? I'll save it for when we get to the boat bomb. But remind me anyway. <laughs> She gets nominated for the Oscar. Hooray. And she's going to go to Miami to give two benefit concerts. In a penthouse? <laughs> no, the Fontainebleau Hotel. It's supposed to be the Fontainebleau. However, the concert is filmed in the Beverly Hills Hotel's ballroom. Because I have been there. And I was like, I know that room. I've been to that room. I've been to the Fountain Blue Hotel. And that's where I saw Maroon 5 and Train that we talked about, I think, last week. And it looked yes. nothing like this hotel. Exactly. Yeah. No, the, the Beverly Hills has very, very conspicuous wallpaper that I have been trying to source for my own bathroom because I think it's very cool. And it has a very specific chandelier uh, that is in that room. Anyway. Yeah. Fountain Blue is huge, though. I honestly just assumed it was a different ballroom because they have multiple ones. So. Mm -hmm. uh, so we cut to Florida where they're jet skiing uh, and we're hearing about the concerts and we're kind of watching them go through the hotel and do security sweeps and everything. But she's all pissy because they he won't give her that sweet, sweet bodyguard D. Yeah. And that's all she wants. I thought at first she was attracted to Kevin Costner. I didn't realize that she just has a like fetish for bodyguards. How could you not? <laughs> uh, but I do love that, <laughs> that she just says like, quit bitching. This is the part you do get paid for. I was like, burn. I know, right? <laughs> she's real sort of like, she's a little mean to him. Yeah, because I think she had feelings for him and they connected on that date. And then he didn't even make her a quesadilla the next day. Paige, I 100% agree. He destroyed approximately $150 worth of her garments with that samurai sword it was probably more than that her <laughs> panties and scarf she's like rich as shit i yeah no it's probably more than i that. remember there was a news story one time where britney spears only wears panties once and then would throw them away and i was like yeah wouldn't you if you just had like disposable income and were constantly traveling wouldn't you just constantly have clothes brought to you and like you wouldn't even bother storing them you would just wear them and give them away like done at first i was like that'd be a nightmare because you have to go buy clothes but people are bringing her clothes she's not going and buying them so yeah that would probably be what would happen for sure yeah yeah like uh one of my friends was Shirley theron's assistant for a long time and people just constantly gave Shirley's clothes and thankfully my friend and Shirley's wore the same size and something so she would just give them to my friend that's awesome. and my friend would either wear them or then go sell them at buffalo exchange and stuff love it anyway 
So they're setting up the show. It it happens. She sings I Have Nothing, which is such a beautiful, amazing, heartbreakingly good song. Like, so good. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to after where they're watching fireworks from inside a building, which is strange. Like, that's a rooftop activity. I did think that was super weird because right? they are inside. There are windows yeah. where you can see the fireworks sort of falling down over the windows, but you can't really see all the fireworks. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. It is cool, though, because it has her name up in fireworks, which was cool. Yeah. But no one in that room could see it because it was technically right above them. <laughs> yes. So we cut to uh, through the party. Another guy in a suit walks through. This is Portman. Yeah. And he's another bodyguard. So he and Kevin Costner are talking. Now, when Devaney came to give Kevin Costner the job, he did say Portman really wants the job, but they say you're the right guy. Yeah. I think Portman wanted the job to kill her. Same. Potentially. I mean, we do find out that her sister hired him in some East L.A. bar or hired someone who hired him uh, because he doesn't know who hired him. Right. He doesn't know that the sister hired him. But yeah, like, I think that's exactly what happened. He wanted to get close to his mark and thought that would be a great. I mean, truthfully, that would be a great way to get away with it. Yeah, absolutely. But so they have this kind of conversation and then she walks over and is just like, oh, are you working right now? No, let's go have sex. And yep. she's doing it to make Kevin Costner mad. Oh, yeah. But also this is where we find out he's like, oh, I'm working for the governor. I'm working for this person. He kind of has a right. different story every time of who he's working for. Yeah. We never see him guarding anybody. Really? Really? They're always not there or right. slightly off screen. The only thing he's guarding is the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go to a private room. Kevin Costner's mad and drinking orange juice on a balcony. And she then in the room with Portman, he takes it too far. And at first it looks like he's just getting rough with her. I think he was trying to strangle her. Like just legit strangle her. I yeah, so I uh, I thought I he know. was gonna have sex with he's her first, an honestly. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yes, probably. But I think he wanted the ass before the sin. You know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm sure. No, no, no. Here, here's the thing. I don't yeah. by saying I think he just wanted to strangle her, I'm not saying they don't have sex. I'm saying that he kind of makes it appear one way. Oh, sure. Was going for her neck a lot. Yeah. Some people are into that. Listen, some people are into it. I don't know. Hey, consenting. Yeah. Consenting partners. Choke away. Be safe. Go for the sides, not the center. Yep. But do your thing. But this guy's an assassin. So, yeah, you know, and he did not ask her first. No. And she makes it clear she's done. Right. She's like not wanting that. Yeah. Or really to even have sex with him. Like she she doesn't want to do anything with him. Really. She just wanted to make Kevin Costner mad. And she did. Yes. Mission accomplished. So she is just using him as a pawn in her little game of love. Yep. So she has Tony remove him and she kind of looks out over the room doesn't see him, shuts the door and drinks champagne by herself. Yeah. Now, the next morning, they're cleaning up the party. She gets up. She's hungover. And he's like, oh, I didn't tell you to fuck everybody in the hotel, which she didn't. But she it, it's now they're in a fight. So she's not even going to like, well, I didn't, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So he leaves to take a phone call from the people investigating the letters. And this is where he finds out that there's like detergent in the glue. So it's somebody who works at a like industrial cleaning thing which we will find out is that car wash right yeah so he goes into the suite and it's empty because she has left to go shopping didn't tell anybody and she's with tony so um they come back laughing after their shopping trip and he's just like what the fuck like 
How dare you? Yeah. And this is where he's like, one more time and I'm fucking gone. Like, I am ready to quit this shit. Like, I can't handle her or whatever. I mean, it, it would be very difficult to protect someone who is not listening to you, right? Right. Like, blatantly disobeying your rules. That sounds weird because she hired him. She can technically do whatever she wants. Right. But, like, if you were, like, trying to protect somebody and, like, yeah. they would just do the opposite of what you asked them to do, that would be very frustrating. That would be exhausting and frustrating, yeah. yes. So he goes down to the kitchen to just run the route and check the hotel. Yeah. She gets a phone call that she thinks is Fletcher. Meanwhile, he beats that woman's husband nearly to death in the kitchen. <laughs> blood on the wall. He fucks that dude up. Yeah. And he's just like, he was just a mouthy dude sitting there. <laughs> like, yeah. picked a fight with the wrong dude. Yeah, Kevin Costner has not met a problem he didn't want to punch, though. So Correct. I, I, I respect that. Yeah. It's very 90s action movie. Like, it's really like, it's like a Bruce Willis thing, too. Like, it's like that lane, right? Yeah. So, meanwhile, she answers the phone. And the person on the other side, <laughs> other side says, mommy. And I'm like, that's not Fletcher. That's an adult person. That's an adult man who's saying mommy right now. Yeah. And she says, Fletcher, is that you? And he goes, no. <laughs> Which will come back later, but is also just freaky yeah. at the time. It's real like Paul Dano vibes. Yes. Yeah. I drink your milkshake. And I mean that like as a compliment. Paul Dano is a crazy good actor, man, but he takes Love some it. weird roles. Yeah. And always crushes it. Always. Yeah. So he goes to Devaney and he's like, I'm fucking done. I gotta fucking leave. I can't do this. And he's like, Well, wait I just a second, because that somebody, I gotta get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Before the cops get here. Uh, <laughs> the real cops. But well, before you do that, uh, somebody called her. She thought it was Fletcher. It was not Fletcher. And now she's all freaked out. And he's like, all right. Uh, so he goes out to the balcony and she is there and she's like, I'm just going to listen to you. I, it wasn't what he said. It was the way he said it. I'm fucking terrified. Yeah. What the fuck do we do? And he's like, I want to take you away from here for a little while. You got to cancel the rest of your tour dates. And Cy is not coming. Devaney and Tony get a vacation. I and mean, if you cross me this time, I'll kill you myself. And I was yeah. like, wait, what? Don't go with him. <laughs> so <laughs> This is where the movie takes a turn and becomes a horror movie for Whitney Houston. Well, this is no. <laughs> where the movie takes a wild turn for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it does. It's very much like the episode of The Bachelor where you go meet his family yeah <laughs> like that kind of thing right it's the scene in 10 things i or uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days where they go out to see his family for a day and yes. come back or whatever absolutely so he they go up to his dad's cabin in the snow and uh i do we do get a little glimpse of a pyrex here i couldn't see if it was forest <laughs> follies or something else but it is it is indeed there on the table. Um, this is where he's teaching Fletcher how to use the motor on the boat. Yeah. And we find out that Fletcher can't swim very well. And the sister is there with them, too. Now, as they're kind of all hanging out in the kitchen, getting ready, this is where we find out that part of the reason he is so closed off is that he was burying his mother with his father the day that Reagan got shot, yeah. which meant that he wasn't there to stop it from happening. He's never forgiven himself. And I'm like, Reagan lived. Like, yeah. you know, he was whatever. fine. Yeah. It's the, he's a, he's a principled man. Yeah. His samurai sword says that should have never happened. Yeah, sure. Uh, the real thing that suffered was John Hinckley's music career. Let's talk about it. Oh, God. Uh, 
This movie posits that Brady, the Secret Service agent who gets shot a bunch and paralyzed and later has a bill about gun control. Yeah, the Brady bill. Was yeah. subbing in for Kevin Costner that day. Yeah. So that could drive it, but they never explicitly say that. And here's the thing. If he had said, the guy that was there took a bullet that should have been me, that's a different conversation for me. And, and that's like, I understand that. That makes more like, sense. But I honestly feel like that's that. what he, he didn't say it. You're right. But I feel like that's what he was like. He That's what he was holding on to, I think. Yeah, I, I think they could have articulated that better because it just sounds like oh, he's yeah. a super fan of Reagan. I mean, they could have weird. said it, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I yeah. guess they have to walk a weird yeah, tightrope I... because at the beginning they're like, well, I was off when he got shot. Kind of disrespecting the real life Secret Service agents who definitely took bullets yeah. for Reagan. But then later it would make more sense if he's like, I should have been there and taken one of those bullets. Yeah. And then like no one would be disrespected, but then maybe it would. I don't know. I, I, I thought know. it was a weird choice to have Kevin Costner be like, no, I was off that day. <laughs> those pussies didn't know how to handle it. That's why Reagan got shot. Right. And then to have him be upset about it later. It's weird. I feel like when she in the bar is like, oh, were you guarding someone and they got shot? That was a way better through line for me of like, yeah, it was the queen or something like yeah. that. Instead, he's like, my fucking mom always ruining things, even my boss. <laughs> Ruined my chance to take a bullet for Reagan. <laughs> like, how dare she? Anyway, we cut to, they, they have dinner, and then we cut to them playing chess. And they've been playing chess for like three years. But all of a sudden, Fletcher's like, what if you move it here? And he's like, okay. And all of a sudden, Boy Genius comes into like, make a change in a chess game that's been going on for years. He's like, fuck you, Bobby Fisher. You're on my team now. Yes. That's what Kevin Costner's dad more or less says. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so they put him to bed along with Whitney Houston and uh, the sister kind of hits on Kevin Costner and he's just like, no. I mean, she full on kisses him. And he does not kiss back. No, it's very I mean, clear. But the, the sister's whole mantra is she has everything. Yeah, even you. And so you. she also has Kevin Costner's heart, I guess. Yeah. And this is just more reinforcing of that. Right. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I hated it. I sort of hated the sister's storyline altogether. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a bummer yeah. is what it is. I, I think she would have been a great red herring and then for it to have been somebody else, that would have been great. I thought that's what it was going to be, which I was fine with. But when we find out yes. that no, she actually did hire him, I was like, oh, well, that's a bummer. That's just real sad. <laughs> it is definitely <laughs> depressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it definitely could have been a turn of her being like, I would never do that. I love my sister. Yeah. I'll do anything to help protect her. You know, like. It could have been that, but instead it's but not. instead she's like, I hired the guy who will never stop. I can't, no refunds. <laughs> he never stops until she's dead. That's what he does. That's I, all he does. I hired the Terminator to kill my sister. Yeah. But through a middleman. So I have no idea who I hired and I hope he doesn't shoot me in like three minutes. Okay, but what if Kevin Costner was Kyle Reese? Okay. I don't think he's Kyle Reese, but there's definitely shit in his pants throughout this whole movie. Yeah, that's what it takes to be a good bodyguard. <laughs> I hate this. That's what they say when they mean in the shit. Uh, so anyway, so it doesn't happen. And we cut to the next day where he's walking with his dad, identifying some tracks in the snow. And she comes out and she's singing a church song. And Whitney Houston comes out and sings with her. And it's very sweet. And it's so good. Yeah. Even as, even the actress that plays her sister is a good singer. Yeah. Whitney Houston is just like supernatural it's Whitney good. Houston. yeah but like yeah, yeah, yeah. even her sister is a good singer but they see shoe prints and they track them from the woods to the house and they're like where's fletcher and he's in the boat alone and takes off where is he where is he where's rachel 
Uh, and so Frank. <laughs> oh, Rachel's the name of the main person. You're right. <laughs> Shit. I've been sleeping on this joke. The whole time. Because you didn't know it existed? I should always know, where's Rachel? Yeah. Where's Rachel? So Frank runs and jumps on the boat, tackling Fletcher into the water. He doesn't even jump onto the boat. He jumps over the boat and grabs him by like the collar and pulls him into freezing cold water. It looks super aggressive. Yeah. And it is. And remind you, Fletch is a child. Fletch is a child who does not swim well, which means there is a danger that they could have drowned both of them. Yeah. So like, anyway, but he gets him back to the dock. And the chauffeur is like, well, how are we going to get the boat back? And no sooner does he say it that it just explodes. Yeah, which makes me think it was planned to teach Fletcher a lesson. (laughs) Well, my favorite part about this boat explosion is that this is clearly a lake, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it is winter. And when the boat explodes, you just hear a ton of seagulls as if it was full of seagulls. And they're just like, ah, ah. And I was like, what? Those are coastal birds. <laughs> like, what? Oh, you, you're not familiar with mountain seagulls, Paige? <laughs> I hear the thing. I'm not saying that lakes don't have seagulls. I'm sure they do. They're birds well, near water. An ocean, if not a big sea or lake. Sure. I was more that it was like cold. They're not really cold weather birds. I also don't think you see any birds in that shot. You don't see any. It's just <laughs> shrapnel from the boat. Yeah, you just right. hear them. Yeah. It was like, oh, one of those terrifying seagull bombs. Yeah, fucking birds or whatever. You know, they'll, they'll be around. It's fine. He could have released doves like a John Woo movie. Ooh, Do you think yeah. Hard Target's a romance? Not really, huh? <laughs> it's too hard bad. Hard Target? What are you talking about? My dating life? <laughs> We're flying through this fucking thing. We are. But if you want, we can stop and talk about songwriting. No, I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so somebody has cut the phone lines and all the cars are dead. And they don't know how they made all the cars die. He's like, how? He's like, I can't tell. And I was like, Are you a mechanic? Is this surprising you can't tell? I don't understand. (laughs) I just wanted a scene of him popping the hood and being like, Well, I'm a bodyguard. I don't even know why. (laughs) The hoods are open when it cuts the cars, too. And I'm like, (laughs) Good thing I spent that summer bodyguarding a 67 Camaro. She wasn't always trying to get killed. She always did what I said. Reagan was going to teach me how to fix cars the next day. <laughs> now, Gipper, if you just cut the fuel lines. <laughs> Maybe give me some more jelly beans. Jelly beans. I don't know if you guys know this. When he first started his career in bodyguarding, his first, I guess, client was a uh, car named Christine. <laughs> we all know how that turned yeah, out. Yeah, it didn't turn out too well. Did you have to Google that? Yeah, I've never seen Christine. It's a scary I movie. I know. Because I was like... We've never done Christine. We should do We haven't done Christine Stephen, or Maximum Overdrive. We should do a Stephen King We've Missed Month and we can do Christine, Maximum Overdrive, Salem's Lot. Yes! I'm down for that. Is there one that the listeners could pick? Well, that's that was only three, and then the listeners have... Well, no, I know, but how many more are there of Stephen King movies? There's so, so many. many. Okay. Okay. So fucking many. I believe you. I just don't know. Sorry, yeah. A lot. Actually, Overdrive is so fucking stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to do Night of the Comet, too. Oh, Night of the Comet was on just the other day, where they end up uh, on the top of that uh, parking structure downtown. Were they washing their cars? Because you might get shot for that shit. They were not washing their car. (laughs) Anyway, they decide they're going to hunker down for the night and try and beat the guy on their turf in the cabin and then go back to L.A. the next day. 
which is wise, I would say. Yeah. But as he kind of gets everyone to bed, the sister is up crying and drinking. And she's just like, yo, I did this. And he's like, what? Tell me everything. And she's just like, I don't know. I just hired a guy named Armando, which is also kind of how cult podcast started. (laughs) (laughs) I did think that was very funny. I was like, Mondo is involved. What is happening in this? Anyway, so... So the sister is just like, I did it. I hired an Armando. I don't know anything else. It's all paid for. And he's going to keep going until he kills her. And and he's like, what do you mean? You don't know. And she's like, I was very stoned. <laughs> I'm like, never been that stoned. No, I've never been so stoned. I hired a hitman through an intermediary <laughs> named Armando. But if I did have to hire a hitman, I'd probably call Armando first. Oh, yeah, for sure. But he'd be so stoned, he wouldn't remember who he hired. I live in the real America where if you're going to do something, you need to do it yourself. You need to pull up your own bootstraps and murder people for yourself. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, so she's like, I would never hurt the baby. Like, she's really mad that Fletcher almost got hurt. Yeah. But at this point, I was like, how is there 35 minutes left in this movie? I thought this was the end of the movie. I thought so too. Because I was like, oh, bitch, you did this. You're the bad guy. We know the bad guy is. The movie's over. But the dog is growling because there's a guy in the house wearing a balaclava. And he literally just like caps the sister. Just like bang, bang, dead. Yeah, Portman does. Because why he might be a hitman, he's also a bit racist. Oh, I thought you were going to say he's also a hit woman. That's why she went down. (laughs) Uh, But he runs out, takes off through the woods. Kevin Costner chases him. Uh, He hops in a getaway car and drives away. Kevin Costner fires after him. We have to stop and go back to Kevin Costner, blind man, closing his eyes to listen to the sounds of the hit man and shoot at him. Oh, you mean when he closes his eyes and just shoots with the force or whatever? Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I don't care if you used to shoot swamp rats back home. Like, you you're going to need to use your eyes, bro. He's like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I did think it was weird that they cut back from like them chasing through the woods to his dad. And he's just like, I don't know, man. He turned off his targeting computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just so weird. That's what I taught him to close his eyes and listen to the shot. But like, those are the two shots that actually get close to him. Right. I think he's trying to hear where he is in the woods. I think so, yeah. too. Yeah. But, like, wouldn't you keep your eyes open just in case you see him? Maybe you should listen and look out for him. Hey, Kevin Costner, can you multitask? Let's try that. Look, I've never shot anyone in the woods, so I can't really empathize. Oh, we can't empathize. That's fair. I, too, have not shot someone in the woods. Have you shot somebody? I recluse myself from this joke. You recluse? You spidered yourself for this joke. I can't pronounce that word right now. You're going to have to come back to me later. Recuse. <laughs> it's Prince. Recuse myself. What the fuck did you just say? Um, He said it correctly, Paige. You just don't know the French pronunciation. It's, it's Prench is what he said. It's a me. A recuse. <laughs> anyway, so... He calls the investigators and they're like, no, 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 we already got the guy. Uh, We got him. You should have seen his logger. It was just like full of pictures and jizz. Also, he's got that (laughs) four by four. uh, And he sent the letters and then they cut to questioning him. And they're like, did you send the letters? And he's like, no. And I was like, good job, Paul Dano. Yeah, like calm down, 90s Paul Dano. We know you did. I was like, you should ask for a lawyer. Yeah, you should ask for a lawyer. But they're like, wrap it up. And he's like, well, if he's there, someone just killed this lady's sister. Right. 
it definitely wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely didn't shoot her on accident because I am reactionary. Honestly, the fact that he didn't kill her shocked me the most because he was unhinged the entire movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Ooh, I would have loved it if you would have killed this. I mean, he does a full flip out of a window into <laughs> it's the so snow. Guys. It's the best. It's so this movie is flawless. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Honestly, no notes. Okay. He, come, <laughs> he gets home and he finally puts vodka in his orange juice. And I was like, Yeah, finally makes it a screwdriver. It's about makes it official. Damn time. Yeah. So he's drinking with the dog and talking to Fletcher. And he basically says he's like, I'm scared that I won't be there. Like, that I care about you, I don't want you to get hurt, and I'm scared that I won't be there. And so Fletcher goes to bed, and we cut to the next day. He's sitting on the hill outside the house, and she comes to sit with him and is like, hey, he's going to come again, right? And he's like, yeah, he's definitely, (laughs) hey-o, he's definitely going to try and come kill you again. And she's like, well, I'm up for the Oscar. And like, it's the Oscars, though. Yeah, bro, I'm (laughs) like the EGOT. I ain't going to miss that. I got an EGOT. I do think the Oscars would be the worst place for someone to try to kill you. Oh, you mean because, like, there's a shitload of cameras everywhere? Yeah. But Kevin Costner even says at one point, he says something to the effect of, if someone doesn't care about their life, they are going to kill you. But he probably does, though, right? Because he's a professional? I guess, but he... He wants it to look like the crazy guy. So, like, I think the guy was sending letters first, and the sister was like, I knew about the letters. I was going to make it look like. Yes, I agree. That's what it was. Yeah. You know? And so he was going to shoot him from that camera vantage point. No one's going to be able to figure out where, how, what. Right. It happened. They're going to assume it's that guy. He doesn't know that they already have that guy in custody. So, you know. Yeah. And, and honestly, the guy's already out and at the Oscars by the time yeah. they get there. Because you can only hold him for 48 hours. That's like a plot right. point. Yeah. And probably the truth. I don't know, but that's probably. It is. Yeah. yeah. If they Well, if they don't have any. Here's the thing. The jerking off inside her house was enough to hold him for longer. But for just sending letters, if that's all they have on him. Right. So she's like, I know it's dangerous, but I'm going to go to the offers. I'm, I'm going to go to the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Because you're going to protect me. And he's like. Yeah, because my dick loves you. And then they're going to kiss, right? (laughs) We cut to the Oscars. Yep. And now the whole crew is back with them. And they're trying to make their way through the green room. Now, here's something interesting. She is both presenting an award for a category that her movie is nominated in. But then she is also up for an award later that night. That is super unusual. It's also super weird because the thing she's presenting for is best song. Yes. And she's not nominated. She's nominated for best actress in a later category. Well, her song is nominated, but they have somebody else singing it, which is actually fairly normal. They usually pick like current musical stars to sing songs for movies unless it was done by somebody. So like, you know, when Adele did that James Bond song, she sang it. Yeah. When Lady Gaga did Shallow, she sang it. But for songs that don't necessarily have a pop star attached to them, they'll like assign somebody to it and they sing it. So that's that part didn't bug me too much because the songwriters would be up for the song, not necessarily her, although she probably would have also accepted. Yeah. What weirded me out was that she was presenting and then would have to come back around to accept a couple of words later. Typically, If you are also up for an award, you don't present and someone else presents in your stead if you would have presented for a category because the presenters are usually the people that won the year before. Yeah. Which is why she's presenting for best song because it does cover that her other song won the year before. Yeah. But the songwriter probably won it 
not her. She's getting the best actress to EGOT, probably. So that's our assumption, at least. They don't mention the EGOT stuff, but they don't. But I think that's what it is. But I think they include this so that she can be backstage. Yes. And have that initial freak out before we get like a fake out and then it really happens because as she's presenting, Everyone is kind of buzzing around her. They're like, okay, you'll talk to the teleprompter. These are the entrances, exits, etc. Here's the guy that you're presenting with. And she makes a joke about like, you're even skinnier than me. Ha 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 ha. Eating disorders. And then. <laughs> I did like it. It was Toby, Toby Ziegler, who was like the producer behind the scenes, like getting her out and all that stuff. I, I thought it was yes. great. I was like, oh, young, young-ish Toby Ziegler. He was still bald. Young-ish. But yeah. So the guy hosting has a couple great jokes well, he's a real person, right? Like, he's a real yes, comic, he is. right? Let me pull it up. I recognized his face, but I don't know his name. But David Letterman hosted for like ever. And during this time, it would have probably been Letterman. Yeah. But let me look up who it actually is because I have it right here Robert Wool. Yeah, Robert Wool. Batman 1984 as the other reporter who is jealous of Vicki Vale. He was also in Bull Durham. He was in Good Morning Vietnam. He's been in a bunch of shit. Yeah. So. He has a joke right here where he says uh, the New York economy is so bad that the mafia had to lay off five judges. That's a fantastically written joke. Yeah. I was like, I don't know who did punch up on this, but high marks. But nailed it. It's also like nailed it. Oddly timely for right now because of what's being yes. coming out about some Supreme Court justices. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's, that's uh, I was like, that joke works today. It does. Also. Yeah. Then he does. It, <sighs> There are kind of gross jokes about the woman who won in the category right before for sound. But within that, they are great jokes. And unless somebody pre-wrote them, that dude off the cuff is amazing. <laughs> I mean, we know they pre-wrote them for the movie. But I bet like, they did. Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously. But yeah. I, I think that those are the kind of jokes you would hear at that time, but you wouldn't yes. hear anymore. You wouldn't hear it now. But from a joke writing standpoint, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> like offensive, but great. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so Frank runs into Portman and he's just like, oh, hey, who are you bodyguarding? And he's like, that guy, you know, profitable. Sorry about Miami. Anyway, bye. And he just kind of like leaves. Yeah, because Portman says he's watching or guarding the MC of the Oscars. Yes. And so Frank starts to get suspicious and he's like, Tony, keep your eye out. Like this is something is going. I think it's going to happen tonight. I think it's, he's going to try and yeah. do it tonight. Yeah. Yes. So she goes out to present her award and she's so busy looking for people who might kill her. She's messing up the teleprompter. She's not doing well. She seems off and out of sorts Yeah, and ends up running off stage right after her song wins. But we because she opens the envelope and in her mind, it's a letter. It is not. That is just her picture. I thought that, that was a cool reveal, though, because I hadn't seen this movie. So when yeah. that happened, I was like, oh. Shit! And then it was like immediately not that, and I was like, "Oh, it was a hallucination." Oh, it would okay. have been yeah. a cool reveal. Okay, yeah. okay. That, that would have, although that would have been impossible, damn near impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yes. those things are so heavily guarded. That's why I was like, "Oh my god, really?" Because well, I, and I don't know if they were at the time. Oh, I mean, that may be. I honestly don't I know, know they if they are were now. at the time. Yeah, they are definitely are now. Yeah, especially after people have like read the wrong one and yeah. stuff sometimes. But like now, it's like people with briefcases and they like open the specific brief. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, 
she runs off stage and she's fucking pissed because she's like, you have scared me so badly that I am I can't function. And then as she runs past Debbie Reynolds, Debbie Reynolds is like, I always said she was nuts. And I was like, shade, bitch. What? <laughs> That's the only reason they have her there is just stand there and be like, crazy, bitch. Like, yes. It really is just like a buck cherry cutaway, like for one second. Yes, it is wild. Yeah. Uh, but Debbie Reynolds, fun fact, fuck so good we're on top of it. Hell yeah. <laughs> For your crazy bitch joke. That anyway. song is about Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> of course. Now, Kevin Costner runs into the host who's just like, what the fuck is up with your client? Like, what the fuck? And he's just like, I don't know, where's Portman? He's like, who the fuck is Portman? And at this point, he's like, oh shit. It is Portman. Where is Portman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Why is Portman? Why is Portman? Who? Wait, what? When <laughs> is Portman? How is Portman? Is yes. Portman? Just question mark. But yeah, so Natalie Portman has a gun and she's going to shoot somebody. <laughs> but. He looks across to the other side of the stage and sees Portman with a camera in a, like a group of camera guys. So he's like, Tony, go get him. And that guy almost immediately blinds Tony. Like it's fucking nothing. I think he, he may just have takes his, his, eye right, his right eye He out. does. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's wearing an eye patch at the end. Arg. Yeah. Um, but I did love that they announced the, the next winner. They're like Tom Winston from South of Waco. And I was like, what was that movie about? Oh, I think we all know what that was about, right? <laughs> That was wild. Anyway, so Tony's over there. But now Kevin Costner's like, okay, Tony's out of commission because he lost an eye. But I can track that guy with the camera, right? So they go to announce Best Actress. She wins. She walks to the stage. He can see the other camera kind of tracking her as she comes down through the audience. So he runs. He dives in front of the bullet as she gets to the stage. He gets shot. And then he raises up and shoots Portman and gets him just like right, like, like impossible shot. Yeah, basically. I mean, it, it kills him. And then he shoots yeah. again and like the camera explodes. So I think he like shoots the gun camera too. Got right yeah. in the lens. Yeah, he yep. did. And then he like passes out and looks like he might be dying. Right. And they load him into the ambulance. He's really milking it. You know, he's like trying to set yeah. up that like grief sex. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, bring the sword. <laughs> yeah. I have a weird fun fact. Ooh. This movie references South of Waco. Wasn't the siege in 93, which is the year after this movie came out? Wait, shut the fuck up. Really? I'm Hold pretty on. sure. I'm, I'm verifying. I uh, Ruby Ridge is 92. Well, yeah, but that had, the Waco siege was after Ruby Ridge because they talk about it. Not yeah, not that long. Though. No, I mean, but that would have been. But like it is ninety three. Damn. Okay, so this this movie predicted O.J. Simpson and the Waco siege. Yeah, it does, because the Waco siege is from February of ninety three to April of ninety three. Yeah. That. So what is that fake movie about? This movie came out in ninety two. So like that movie's about Mexico. Maybe. I mean, you'd have to go way south of Wax Waco to get to Mexico. Waco is. It's about the South Pole. There you go. Uh, something else south of Waco, I guess. Maybe they just thought it sounded cool, and then it just happens to be a weird, a weird coincidence. That is wild, though. That is wild. Anyway, we cut to an airfield where the limo pulls up, and she's getting loaded into her plane with her new security guy, who's an old guy, and he's like, I don't trust you, because he's like, you would have fucked him. <laughs> Basically what he's saying. I mean, that is uh, what he's saying. You're right. He loads them all up onto the plane. The plane takes off, and, or about to. It, it taxis, and she's just like, no, stop. And <laughs> I did, this is, you know how sometimes you just have an intrusive thought that you're like, what if we just wrecked everything right now, you know? And I was like, yeah. 
what if the plane took off and then just exploded in the air and he was just like, no, on the ground. I was like, what a terrible ending. But like, I would have, it would have blown my mind the way City of Angels did. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so the plane taxis and she's like, stop the plane. So she gets off. She runs across the runway to him and they make out. And then break up immediately. <laughs> yes, yeah, because we do hear the song start to play under, you know, yeah. them kissing. And then we cut to like some sort of event and we're hearing her sing yeah it's at a rotary club like it seems like he has the most boring assignment now well no because he he's guarding a judge who's taking on organized crime yeah in new york so like he's that guy's gonna get shot so many times (laughs) he's one of the fired judges yeah exactly uh but (laughs) he has the cross the little like warning thing for him And we end on a still shot of Kevin Costner just like peeking out of a curtain, just like looking. And that still shot stays on the screen for like a minute and a half as the credits roll. And we hear the voice of Whitney Houston. And And that's that's the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about The Bodyguard? I honestly kind of loved it. I was enjoying myself today. I didn't hate it. I would definitely watch it again. Yeah, it, yeah it was absolutely. It was fun. I I do think I hated the sister subplot. You could cut thirty minutes out of that and get rid of it and make it a tighter movie. But yeah, I still like it. It's a good movie. I I understand why it is like looked at as a classic. Like even though I yeah. haven't seen this and none of us had, we had all heard of it. We all knew sort of what it was about. You know, like it's one of those movies that just like is pervasive in pop culture, and I think rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I, I liked it. it. Yeah, I it was great. Saying, yeah, I, I, I do love like action this. romances. I was going to say, yeah, I really do like the action romance lane, and I don't think we've done enough. Yeah, no, you're right. I wish they would have stayed together. Me too. I, too. I did hate the ending. Like, if they're not going to be together, let him die saving her. Yeah. You know, and then she's singing that at his funeral. I think that would have been, it would have been way oh, sadder. God, but that would have made me sob same, buckets. Same. But it would have been so sweet, oh. especially because he finally did get to take that Reagan bullet. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I mean, that would have been a good, good character arc. Right? I want it. Here's the ending I want. She gets off the plane. The song starts playing as she runs to him. They kiss. The song continues to play credits. Yeah, like, that's, that's what all I you want. Need. Just... Yeah, because that implies they're going to be together. Somehow, somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's rich as shit. Like, yeah. she could afford to bring on Kevin Costner full time as a, you know, I was going to say bodyguard, but I was, it's it's more like a booty guard. You know what I'm saying? It's a booty guard, yo. Oh, yeah. But Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, here it is with your fun facts. Bodyguard, fun facts. Fun facts. facts. Uh, so... Dolly Parton wrote and sang the song, I Will Always Love You, mm-hmm. obviously. But in an interview on the Graham Norton show years later, she said that when they asked to use it for this movie, she said yes and totally forgot about it. Because Dolly Parton is actually notorious for agreeing to let pretty much anyone use her songs as long as they ask Aww. and pay her. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like when she did the music for Dumplin', they were like, can we use one of your songs? She was like, I'll write you a whole bunch of new songs because she's amazing. Yeah. Anyway. Dolly Parton is the best thing to ever come out of Tennessee. A plus human. Yeah. Uh, and so one day after the movie came out, she was driving from her office to her house in Nashville when she heard Whitney Houston's version on the radio because she had authorized for them to cover the song, had never heard the cover. And she said that she had to pull over to the side of the road to finish listening to it because she was blown away by how beautifully the song was done and how beautiful Whitney Houston sang it. And she has actually gone on multiple times to basically be like, 
I wrote the song. I loved it when I did it. it. It meant a lot to me. She's like, but that song was meant for Whitney Houston somehow. The universe made it right. Like that was the person who was supposed to sing it, God. which I think is it's such a, a nice thing to say. She didn't have to say that. She didn't have to, you know, she doesn't have to talk about it. But I love that that's one artist acknowledging another artist's craft and being like, beautiful job. You only made the thing that I made better somehow. Uh, and I do love that. It's like when Jimi Hendrix covered All Along the Watchtower by Bob Dylan oh, so uh, on electric guitar. Bob Dylan played his version, played Hendrix's version live for like 20 years after that. Yeah. Yes. Because it was amazing. Uh, now, interestingly enough about the song, it was Kevin Costner's idea for Whitney Houston to start it a cappella, which is hard to do. Yeah, but she's an amazing singer. Like, she's so good. Um, but that was his idea, and it makes it into the final song, and that is history. Now, this was her first movie role, and Kevin Costner is one of the producers on the movie, and he campaigned to have her play Rachel. And she was not the only person up for it. She actually beat out this list of people, and in part because Kevin Costner really fought for her, but Pat Benatar, Olivia Newton-John, Madonna, Joan Jett, Debbie Harry, Janet Jackson, Terry Nunn, Kim Carnes, and even Dolly Parton <laughs> were considered for the role. Amazing. And Dolly Parton had been in movies at that point, too. Like, she had a 9 to 5, Bethel Whorehouse in Texas, like all of that shit. Now... Here's the one person that didn't really have a fair shot at this role, I guess. So Kevin Costner refused to have an audition with Madonna. She auditioned for casting, but he refused to attend an audition because she had made a joke at his expense in her documentary, Madonna Truth or Dare, oh, the no. year before. How does he even know? Because he saw the documentary, Mikey. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, now, originally, I Will Always Love You was not in the movie. Oddly enough, really? that was not the song. Yes. So the song that was originally written into the script is What Becomes of the Brokenhearted. That's a, that's also a, great, a song. great song. Love it. And also had Whitney Houston covered that. I'm here for that, too. Yeah. Um, but that song got used the year before in Fried Green Tomatoes. And Kevin Costner okay. was like, well, we don't want the same. It is a good movie. It My mom loved that movie. Yeah. That, it is a beloved film. I think everyone's mom loved that movie. It, we never watched it in our house growing up. It was like not part of our movie lexicon. Really? But I think it's because okay. we're not from the South. So like we have no connection really to it. I mean, I definitely saw it growing up. Mikey, I'm assuming you're the same. All the time. We had other movies. Yeah. Uh, but because they used it in that movie, Kevin Costner then suggested I Will Always Love You, famously by Dolly Parton. Um, and so... They actually went with that instead and then had to ask Dolly Parton for her rights. Now, this movie had been in pre-production since the mid-70s. What? Really? Yes. Now, originally, it was supposed to star Diana Ross and Steve McQueen, but that was considered too controversial at the time because they were mixed race. It was a mixed race couple. Yeah. So then they tried. Yeah, they tried it again in the late 70s with Ryan O'Neill. And still Diana Ross, which, by the way, would have watched. Yeah. That would have been amazing. Um, but that fell through again. Probably for the same uh, because, reason. No, actually, it was because really? Ryan O'Neill and Diana Ross could not get along. And they had been dating at the time. And also, Ryan O'Neill had some pretty bad substance abuse issues. Okay. And Diana was going through her own stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it didn't work out. Uh, and it kind of got shelved until Kevin Costner and a few other people kind of picked it up because they thought it was interesting. Awesome. I mean, I'm glad they did. During the airport scene, 
when they end up kissing, Kevin Costner and Whitney, like when Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston are singing, the camera goes around, right? So they tracked it in around yeah. and they ran the track so fast that the centrifugal force was so much that the camera operator fell off the rig and climbed <laughs> back on while the camera kept filming <laughs> wow it's a finished, weird scene well and they finished the scene and that's the take that's in the movie wow okay right okay so this movie was pitched and rejected 67 times oh only two away only two away uh but this is probably why the fictional Academy Awards ceremony depicted in the film is the 67th, <gasps> uh, when at the time it would have actually been the 64th. Uh, I so love that little Easter egg. That's awesome. I think, yeah, because in reality, the 67th wasn't until 1995. Now, Whitney Houston's Queen of the Night costume turned up years later in a sci-fi prop store on a 2012 episode of Hollywood Treasures, which was basically like, now here's the thing, that actually happens a lot locally. There's a store where you can specifically buy stuff that's been in movies, and sometimes you find cool stuff, sometimes you don't. Sure. But that's one that literally made its rounds through the thrift stores until 2012. Uh, which I think is really interesting. That is interesting. That's 20 years after the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, Lawrence Kasdan's original concept, uh, the script did go through revisions, but Lawrence Kasdan had been working on this since the 80s and he had been handed it from somebody else. Yeah. So like they took the time to adapt it. It's said that he had some input on it all the way from like almost the original versions and then they just adapted it to the time that had passed in the new stars. But I think that's also why it kind of holds the fuck up. Like, Lawrence Kasdan's an amazing writer. Just Google everything else he's written, and it is a who's who of the favorite movies of the 80s, basically. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So originally, test audiences didn't like Whitney Houston's performance, which is wild to me, because she's great in this. I think she does a great job, yeah. But they had to recut the movie after initial test audiences. Wow. Yeah. So... The host of the fictional Academy Awards ceremony is comedian Robert Wool, which we looked up. Funny enough, he actually wrote jokes for Billy Crystal's Academy Awards hosting duties in 1990 and 1991. Now, Billy Crystal used to host before Letterman a did yeah. a lot. Yeah. And so that's he probably wrote his own jokes, I would imagine, and did his own punch up if he had already done it the two years before. So that's probably why they hired him. And that's probably why they're funny. Probably cheap. <laughs> that's probably why they're funny. Yes. I didn't realize he was an actual comic. I've just seen him in movies, you know? That's great. Yeah. Now, the woman singing I Have Nothing at the Oscar ceremony, which is the person not Whitney Houston. Yeah. Uh, she was the demo singer for Whitney Houston's bigger, biggest hits, which included I Have Nothing and I Will Always Love You. And she still works with the producer that produced those songs to this day. Now, demo singer means... And this is kind of came up in music and lyrics last week. When you make a demo tape, you just need somebody to sing through it so they get the gist of the song. Yeah. So Nita Whitaker used to do that for all of Whitney Houston's songs because you can tell in the movie she's not as good as Whitney Houston, but she's damn good. And so she I think they're like, good. this yeah. is a close analog. Let's, you know, so she sung through a lot of stuff that then Whitney would hear and then record her own version of. Awesome. Uh, Gary Kemp, who plays Cy Spector, who is Rachel's publicist, yeah. was one of the founding members of the 80s British band Spandau Ballet. And he actually wrote their biggest hit, True, which is a banger of a song. I've never heard it, but that's awesome. You have definitely heard True. Uh, 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 uh. 
Oh, shit. I do know that I song. Know yeah, yeah, yeah. This much is true. And he told, he said in interviews that Kevin Costner told him that True was one of his favorite songs with him and his wife. And it was like their song. And those are your fun facts. Here's another fun fact Kevin Costner's wife filed for divorce just Monday. Oh, no. I guess it didn't hold true forever. <laughs> also, I don't know how many wives he's had, so I, I'm not sure. That's true. He may, This may not be the wife from 92. It might. It might not be. Well, thank you for those fun facts. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So what do you think the production budget was for The Bodyguard in 1992? $28 million. $28 million? Paige, what do you think? 28 sounds accurate, actually. Uh, I'm going to say 28.5. Oh, okay. Um, it's a little bit less, actually. It's $25 million. I, that's close. Pretty, that's close. close. Yeah. We're it's close. close. Air it's very, very close. Yeah. And if you adjust that for inflation, that's $53.7 million. Now, this movie came out on November 27th, 1992. And uh, it was number three that weekend in the theaters. It was beat by... Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Number two was Aladdin. Number three was The Bodyguard. Number four was Bram Stoker's Dracula. Number five was Malcolm X. Ooh. What do you that's think? A good, that's a good week for movies. I know. I recognize every one of those movies. Uh, I was probably seeing Lost in New York at this time in theaters, but I don't remember it because I was super young. But I definitely was seeing Aladdin. Oh, yeah. It would have been Aladdin probably. Yeah. Um, okay, mm -hmm. but what do you think The Bodyguard brought in in its opening weekend? Now, one of the fun facts I found, without giving away any numbers, is that Aladdin goes on to be the highest grossing movie that year, and Bodyguard ends up being number two uh, for the year. So yeah, I think it probably had a slow burn, um, but I'm going to say opening weekend, 10 million. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? I'm going to say more. I'm going to say like, 20 million. Mikey, you're closer. It was $16.6 million. But Paige, to bring up your slow burnness of it, it was number three the first week it was out. The second week it was number two. And then it was the third week, number three, number five the following week. And then it was number four for almost a month. So, like, it stayed in the top five for its first seven weeks, which is amazing right um and that's that amazing yeah it was in theaters from mid-november latest november until may of the following year uh like almost late may of the following year but what do you think it brought in domestically at the box office i'm gonna say domestic 80 mil all right what do you think mikey how many weeks again it's like six months yeah it was from uh, november 20th to may 21st mm, like 150 million Mikey, you're closer. It was $122 million. Good for them. And again, guys, this is in 92. Yeah. Wait till you hear what it made internationally. It made $289 million internationally. That is shocking. Yeah. The total at the box office was $411 million. See, here's the thing. That just shows you how much people fucking loved Whitney Houston. Yeah. <laughs> because like even today, there when you look at the international markets, there is a racism problem. There like is. Like a huge racism problem with leads of color. And so for a movie to make that much money in 1992 with a first of all mixed race couple but also with a lead of color that's how good it was like that's how much people loved it that it like superseded 
horrifyingly racist market trends. Yeah, it's great, honestly. Yeah. So uh, just to put a button on one of your fun facts about Aladdin, Aladdin, that yes. was the number one movie that year, brought in $504 million in the box office worldwide. Damn. So that was its big number. But if you adjust the bodyguards total theatrical sort of performance worldwide, again, that was $411 million. If you adjusted that for inflation to today, that's $884.2 million. This movie made a shitload of money. Hell yeah. That's like Avengers money today. Yeah. Yes. I remember this movie being big. It was very big. But that is your box office. So I guess we normally do, are they still together? But the movie tells us they're not. Yeah. So I guess, do you, do we want to do that? <laughs> I like to think that she flies him out every once in a while for a quick, you know, samurai sword lesson. Wink, wink. Yeah. Wink, yeah. wink. Nudge, nudge. Hell yeah. I think that freeze frame was him realizing he just wants to live with her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's like, you know what? Maybe being a kept man would be fucking dope. Maybe <laughs> yeah. Stedman was right. I think all you have to do is rescore that last scene where it's still that freeze frame and it's just, I don't want to wait for <laughs> this to be over. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, no, I'm going back to Whitney Houston. <laughs> but Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Nope. I'm going to hit him with the romance scale. Oh, shit. That's yeah, right. The romance scale is a scale of <laughs> one to ten of how romantic a film is. <laughs> sorry, hey. sorry, sorry. I'm going to give this a four. This was really working for me. Okay, okay. Todd, I'm going to give it a two. It's more action than romance what? to me. I'm going to give it a five. That's oh right, my Mikey. God. They have sex once and then they get mad at each other and then don't come together. With a sword. Oh with a sword. They had hot eye contact while she changed clothes with a curtain up to her neck. I hot. was feeling it, Mikey. That's right. Yeah. All right. And that's our romance scale. My my four is only because they don't end up together. If they did, it'd be a five. I still think they do. I just wish that like, after the first time they had sex, they had like dated and we got them falling in love and not just like her immediately getting mad at him for like ghosting her or whatever. But yeah, that's why I gave it a two. I also wanted him to die at the end. Whatever. It's fine. If he had died at the end, would your score be higher? If they had had sex and he had not been <laughs> gone on Mikey and been like, I can't, you're my client. And they had actually dated and we got some romance out of that like middle section of the movie. And then he died protecting her. It would probably be like an eight. I would have bawled, Paige. Okay. I would have cried if she sang that song at his funeral. Fuck, I would have yeah. fucking sobbed. Well, you see, he also had sex with Reagan and then wasn't there for him. <laughs> <laughs> so he couldn't do it this we time. We cut to Reagan's funeral and he's just like, should stay. I love that headcanon. That's amazing. Eat your jelly beans. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if that man didn't destroy our country? Anyway. Oh, I know. And that man I'm talking about is Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah. So that's your romance scale. <laughs> so this week, Paige, you made us watch The Bodyguard. Mikey, what are you making us watch next week? As we continue, Tom Cruise Spring. I think I'm going to go with Risky Business. Hell yeah. yes. Another movie I haven't seen. I oh, haven't well. seen Risky Business either. I'm just familiar with the, the part with the shirt. Tom Cruise sets up a sex worker business for his high school, I believe, is the plot of that film. I believe so. And I have seen that scene with them on the train, which like, okay. It is. It is. I mean, the movie's hot, but also like he's underage. Yeah. There's like some complications. It's going to be great. I can't wait to walk through that minefield next week <laughs> <laughs> when we do our episode on Risky Business. So your homework is to watch Risky Business. 
And make note of every time we're going to have to fumble through inappropriate things. Yes. And then check back for that episode. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? I got a review. I'm, I'm, my voice is gold, but I've got a review. All right. Well, let's get it done. Well, who, whose review are you going to do this week? <sighs> Jesus Christ. Jesus left us a review? Oh, my God. I thought he'd be too busy for that. That's a real get, man. I'm. That's <sighs> awesome. That's pretty great. Congrats, you two. Thank you. The, 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 the name of the person is like Desert. Is it Desert Rose? Is it Dessert or Desert? It's a lot of letters. Desert, D-E-S-R-W-T-G-D-I-D-J-C-Qwerty, Q-U-Q-W-E-R-T-Y. Oh, okay. They were just smashing the keyboard. Yeah. Because if you look <laughs> yeah. at the upper left-hand corner of your keyboard, Qwerty is from Q to Y. Yes. Like, yeah. Sh- QWERTY, they were just right. smashing the keyboard. Okay, whatever. They did. Okay, so- Despicable Me can be, I don't know the title of the review, but the first words are Despicable Me 2 can be categorized as As a romance, I looked it up As a romance Yeah After hearing your 51st Dates episode where you referenced the Minion rant I don't remember that conversation at all Was that something we talked about in great detail on that episode? Can't believe our recording's run long <laughs> I went and listened to The Vow and now I need you guys to know that Despicable Me 2 has a romantic plot which can make it a rom-com Five stars. Man, but Wait, should it? Did they, <laughs> yeah. Did they stop there? They, they didn't. They don't want us to do it. They just wanted us to be aware. Yeah. Just so you're aware, if you slice a minion right down the center <laughs> against the grain, that's going to give you a real, mm. real nice mouth feel. Yeah. Say it again. And mouth you can Paco jet the skin or the brain, like they did in Hellraiser two. Or the or the brain, or the like brain. in Hellraiser two. And that's that's our review. Well, thank you so much for that awesome five star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five star review, leave us a five star review. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin, and that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around, and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. To cosplation. <laughs> to cosplation. I want to put a bomb up in your boat. <laughs> like Titan Dick. <laughs> I'm going to fuck you so good, your sister's going to hire a hitman to murder you because she's so jealous. jealous. Yeah. Somebody blew my dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Boat pun dick joke nerds. <laughs>